Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley, 10 o'clock straight up. Along with Mike Sealski, I am Glenn Mack now. On a chilly but nice Saturday football tomorrow, Eagles uh, travel to Chicago to play the lowly Bears. Mike, how are you on this beautiful morning? I am wonderful, Glenn. As soon as uh, we finish the show up, I'm going to be heading down to the airport to fly to Chicago to cover tomorrow's game. Should Great. Be, should be a fun trip. Terrific. Should be uh, Should be a lot of fun. You and I spoke the other day, and we agreed it's unchartered territory that we are in here. Everything is going so well, so right with the Eagles, that we, we as in a fan base overall, really don't know how to handle it. it it's, it's a team without a flaw, which we'll get into more in the next segment. Uh, but everything is humming right now, and there's no drama and there are few injuries. Guys are coming back from injuries. And let me say this as politely as I can. There's no ass hats on the team. <laughs> so what are we supposed to worry about? Now, you wrote a column today, tongue-in-cheek. Yes. I believe tongue-in-cheek. Yes, very tongue-in-cheek. Which, by the way, you know 40% of the audience won't think so. That's okay. Oh, the blowback you're going to get. How can you? Well, okay. You know, it's funny, Glenn. The, the one thing I said on uh, on Twitter about the column was that it's, the, and you know this, the most difficult task in writing is to be funny. And trying to be funny about Philadelphia sports is like juggling hand grenades. You just can't <laughs> joke about it, yeah. really, because for the very reason that you said, people won't take the joke. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but listen, I write it. It's a well-turned comment. Nice job. And, um, and essentially you said they could use a little drama, yes. uh, which I think translates to the, the people the people in, who write and talk about the team could use a little drama. Um, and so let's start with that, which is kind of the principle that you wrote about and then you and I talked about earlier this week. It's like, how do we handle when everything's going right? Yeah, I think the default position or reaction amongst the fan base in general, is uh, look to the sky for the falling safe, right? Like, even though the Eagles won the Super Bowl relatively recently, you know, four or five years ago, uh, even though we're just coming off of 
celebrating a Phillies run to the World Series. I think the, the the Philadelphia sports fans' natural position is kind of a defensive crouch, right? You want to protect yourself against the pain uh, that you assume is coming. And so that makes what's happening with the Eagles now, as you said, kind of difficult to process because there isn't anything to suggest, so far anyway, oh my gosh, this is going to go bad. I mean, they, they went out and, and traded for the best available wide receiver in the offseason in A.J. Brown. And it just so happens that he is also a dear, dear friend of Jalen Hurts. So it's not as if we're going to get A.J. Brown doing sit-ups in the driveway. Uh, Stalking because, up and down the sideline. Right, right, and complaining about Jalen not throwing him the ball. Um, or, you know, we're not going to hear Jalen saying to A.J., keep my name out of your mouth or something like that. And so it's really difficult, I think, for fans to to kind of process this because there as you said there isn't anything negative going on here I mean they're going to get Dallas Goddard back which should only make the offense better uh they've won the last two weeks handily by three touchdowns they've just destroyed the Titans and the Giants and now they're facing a team that's three and ten and has one of the worst defenses in the NFL and can't throw the ball so what is there to worry about there's seemingly nothing to worry about, and I, and I agree with that. They, um, which kind of leads to: Has there ever been a softer bit of billboard bulletin board material than what we got from Micah Parsons this week? Not that I can remember. Which, listen, I know there was tremendous debate on this station. There were many people uh, who um, thought this was a big deal, and he's really ripping. Uh, Jalen Hurts and so on, and I just took it as he was asked a question and kind of tried to dance a line of saying nothing. Maybe he didn't succeed, but that's how I took it. How did you take it? Yeah, the same way. You know, he's on this podcast with Von Miller, the Bills linebacker, great player, and Miller asks him about Hurts' chances of winning the MVP, and Parsons says, is it Hurts or the team? I'm not trying to make enemies. I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that when things are off, I just can't hold it in. And he, they bat the question around from there. But basically what it came down to is that this is one of the rare times in sports history I can think of that someone suggested a player shouldn't be the MVP because that player's team was too good. Like, that's what this came down to. People are getting worked up about, well, he disrespected Jalen Hurts, but he did it. Only insofar as saying, like, the Eagles are great, and Jalen Hurts, maybe you can't vote Jalen Hurts MVP, not because he's bad, but because the team is so good, or as good as he is everywhere else. The offensive line, the defense, the receivers, etc. So, I kind of felt like we were really straining for controversy to kind of take what Parsons said and build it into something that was a shot at the Eagles or Hurts. Yeah, and the fact that he's with the Cowboys, of course, you know, that, that, that... lets it work even better and i'm not listen i'm not i'm not saying anybody that disagrees with this opinion was trying to create something because you can interpret things any way mm-hmm. or not anyway you can interpret them how they come across to you um i just think i don't think he was trying to discredit hurts i think he was trying to spread the team all right so carrying it forward to former NFL quarterbacks who are now analysts two of them weighed in this week and I want to run both of these by you because okay. I think I think these really go to uh, two different extremes 
and let's see what you think. By the way, 215-592-9494 if you want to talk about what we uh, just mentioned or or what we are going to talk about through the course of the rest of the day. 215-592-9494. All right, so Chris Sims, enemy of the state. <laughs> A guy who would not put Jalen Hurts in his top 40 quarterbacks, if you recall. You, you know what, just briefly, Glenn, you know what's funny to me about Chris Sims, apart from the substance of what he says, is that... He always, uh, when you see him on television, he always has the top button of his shirt buttoned. And I wonder why he does that. I'm not talking about when he's wearing a tie. I'm talking about just if he's wearing a blazer or just like a regular really? old button down. He always buttons the top button. I feel like he's trying to like set himself apart from other television personalities with this one thing. Like, oh, he's the guy who buttons his shirt all the way to the top. It's very, very odd to me. Uh, okay, I'm no fashion plate, but that does seem nerdy. Well, I'm the best-dressed man in Philadelphia sports, so I, I well, pick up on things like this. Listen, if you say you're the best-dressed man in Philadelphia sports media, that's a low bar. <laughs> True. All right, so Chris Sims uh, goes on PFT Live on NBC and kind of picks up on what Micah Parsons had to say and takes it, I think, to quite the extreme here it is chris sims it's an incredible system that that coaches never even ran before but they had to run it because they couldn't run their system with jalen hurts it's the best offensive line in football it's the best defensive line in football i mean it's if it's not for the 49ers they're the best defense in football it's the best rushing attack in football it's the arguably the best duo at receiver not named waddle and tyree kill in football and it, it's not that far off from them. It's a really good tight end in Dallas Goddard when he's out there. So this is one of those where I feel like it's setting up where it's just like the quarterback of the best teams that will win the MVP. And I want to go, there's just no way he's more valuable to his team than Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen. Like, no way. All right. He's, he's not acknowledging Hurts' greatness at all. No. And the season he's having. He's, to me, completely downgrading. And he's also saying the team is pretty damn great. But he's going beyond dividing the compliment to essentially saying Hertz is just a passenger on the bus. Yeah, he is. And what's interesting about what he's saying is the point about the idea that Sirianni, Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen had to scrap the offense that they presumably wanted to run and build one around Jalen Hurts' skills, which is correct insofar that that's what they did last season. They were 2-5 and five through seven games. They had been playing a certain way. And... They adjusted and shifted, and the Eagles have basically taken off since then. I mean, you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at it and say, any quarterback who doesn't fit what a coach wants to do is inherently not good because we should a team should always be deferring to what a coach wants to run. But you could also look at it, and I think most people look at it and say, well, Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen did a great job of understanding how Jalen Hurts would thrive and placing him in the best possible position so that he could succeed at this level. And then the other aspect of that, too, is that because of Hurts' skills and his, as Liam Neeson would say and take in his particular set of skills, he can, they run this offense and he's really the only guy who can run it. And that's what makes it so difficult to defend. He can run. He can throw. It's all predicated on him. He is the system. So I'm not sure what Sims has says has a whole lot of validity to it. All right. Now I want to play Dan Orlovsky, uh, who, like Chris Sims, was a backup quarterback in the NFL, didn't have a particularly distinguished career, but has gone on to 
uh, be an analyst. Orlovsky on ESPN. I, I find Orlovsky one of the brightest guys around. Well, I should. I don't even need to give it the buildup. This is Dan Orlovsky on the same subject. Jalen Hurts is the most improved passer I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, Jaylen, Josh didn't have issues coming out of college. This guy's ability to make really tight coverage placement throws is so impressive. I've never seen a guy transform this way. I was the person who said, you're freaking crazy to move on from Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts. And I was the person who said, if Jalen plays as good as he can, it's not as good as Carson Wentz can. I was wrong. I mean, this kid has the running ability that is very rare. And in many ways, and this sounds outrageous, he's become Drew Brees-like in the pocket. Mm. He has become a pinpoint thrower from the pocket. And that is unlike anything that I've seen. Jalen Hurts is the most improved passer. Okay. He's liked it so much he said it twice. Yeah. (laughs) So, a a couple of things. I will admit being in the same wrong corner of thinking, I don't know this kid's ever going to be as good as Carson Wentz. I I didn't see it coming out of college, and I was, well, I was shocked both at the downfall of Carson Wentz and how good Jalen Hurts is. Mm Mm-hmm. Drew Brees. Yeah. Pretty heady uh, company there, don't you think? Very heady company. Uh, An interesting comparison. I think, look, I'm with you on Dan. I think he's really smart. He's also a great guy. Uh, Gotten to know him a little bit. And, you know, just a sharp, sharp guy uh, when it comes to breaking. Yeah. Let's get him on the show. Well, we should. We should. I can get him on the show. Um, But with respect to Brees and Hurts in that comparison, I. I would need to see more of it from Jalen over time. I mean, look, I've said this a number of times to you on this show. I've said it to other people. The thing that has impressed me most about Hurts this season is that he doesn't do dumb things. He doesn't do dumb stuff. Uh, He doesn't throw the ball up for grabs. He doesn't make plays where you go, oh, my God, what was he thinking on that? And as far as his accuracy goes, I'm not... It's true as far as Dan takes it, which is the throws he's been making so far this season have been on target. Uh, it's a little different with respect to Breeze because Breeze doesn't did not have the running ability that Hurts has and the ability to soften a defense that way. You know, every defense that the Eagles plays, that the Eagles play, has to account for the fact that Hurts can take off at any time or you know, has a designed run, and nobody who ever played the Saints had to worry about that with Breeze. So in some ways, it was more difficult for Breeze to make the kind of throws that he made. Yeah, I, I think he's comparing it the, like the pocket presence yes. and, the, and, and the ability to see. Neither are particularly tall. I think he's also talking about the ability to see over the line and do that. Um, so, you know, who's more right? I mean, I'm, I'm clearly closer to Orlovsky than Sims. I think Orlovsky actually may go even a little beyond my assessment of how great Hertz has been so far, and I do think he's the MVP. You know, Sims ends up in that in that segment comparing, they're saying essentially that Gardner Minshew could do the same thing. Yeah, um, which he could not. He could not. Right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, he, he can't because the entire system that the Eagles run on offense is predicated on Jalen Hurts being Jalen Hurts. It, it It is, he can run. He can hand it to Miles Sanders. Everything that comes out of what the Eagles want to do offensively comes out of Jalen Hurts. He really is the nerve center of the whole thing. It is, yes. It, it, it is the marriage of the two, his ability to run, his ability to pass, and that they've developed the skills around 
him and then around the team. He's been well coached. They've they've essentially developed a system designed to maximize his talent. So when Sim says, you know, they had to scrap their system for him, well, it's I would scrap is the wrong word. They had the opportunity to develop a system around the unique skills. Isn't that what you just said? Yes. Particular set of skills. Particular set of skills. Yes, of this kid. To say somebody is a system quarterback, I know where it stems from, right? It stems from when you had quarterbacks who didn't have an arm, and you just get them in, don't make a mistake. But I don't see, in this case, system quarterback as a negative. Listen, when he came out of the draft, the question was, what kind of offense could he run? Right. They figured out the offense that suits his skills. Sirianni and Steichen, man, have done a great job in that regard. We never talk about Sean Steichen because I think we're not really sure, like, where does Nick end and he begin? But he calls the plays, and he's done a great job. Um, in in the NFL, the system is the quarterback. It's not he's he's a system quarterback because the system is designed around him because he does it all so well. Yes. Let, let me just give you a couple numbers. Sure. Joe Capadia, our friend, mm -hmm. uh, did a piece earlier this week. Two things that are pretty damn impressive when you look at them together. Jalen Hurts has produced 52 plays of 20-plus yards this season, second in the league only to Patrick Mahomes. At the same time, he has the fewest turnovers of any starting quarterback in the NFL, five. It's really hard to do both of those things. Darn right. Darn right. And, and two, two things to, to what Sims said. Number one, Mike Lombardi was on the morning show on Friday and made a great point. You know... It, the system to the point of the system is the quarterback. You know, if if you're Bill Walsh in San Francisco and you have Joe Montana, you take Montana's skills for throwing with timing, accuracy, the kind of uh, ballet-like footwork that he had, and you you put him into the West Coast offense because that's going to accentuate those skills in a way that another system wouldn't. You don't play three yards in a cloud of dust when you have Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and then Jerry Rice and Roger Craig. You run a system that takes advantage of what your players do well. And as far as Chris Sims goes, I have to say this, Glenn, to continue the the Liam Neeson taken uh, metaphor here. If, if he can hunt him down now? Well, if he continues to speak about Jalen Hurts this way, uh, you know, if he stops the criticism, I'm sure that'll be the end of it. But if he doesn't, Eagles fans will look for him, they will pursue him, and they will kill him. Oh, I'm afraid. Careful. careful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody knows that's the line from the movie. I know. Well, I, I know that. But these days you get the I know, I know. All right, let's talk to some people. Rich in Wilmington is with us. Good morning, Rich. Good morning. How are you? Hey, All Rich. Right. Uh, two little quick points. One... Um, about the Micah Parsons thing, I, I feel as though people have missed the other side of this, which was when I listened to it, you had a prominent player in our biggest rival basically saying this team, not just Jalen Hurts is in a good system, but this team is so good. He was so effusive about how good the whole team was. I mean, because I've heard the people come on before and say, to your point, oh, he's in a passing offense. Oh, he throws all the time. But he was going on about the entire team and how good all of it was, which is kind of an odd thing for someone that, as I say, is on our biggest rival who potentially doesn't look like it's going to come, it's going to matter, but we could have a meaningful so game. So if, if that's the and case, the and I and – I... 
pretty much agree with you on this. I think it's that he... I think he did the opposite of what he was trying to do. I yeah. think what he was trying to do was not fire anybody up. To just say, oh, yeah, he's I, good, but, you know, they're all good. It's a really good team around him, and they got a great line. Which is, I don't think he meant to be dismissive about it, Rich. I think what he meant to do is what athletes do, and that's just kind of not create the bulletin board material. And he ended up doing no, the opposite. I, Mike, I, com- maybe- I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I was just struck by... He didn't just say he throws a lot. He didn't just say, you know, and he's got some good receivers. He's got great line. He's got great receivers, and they've got a great defense. And he just sort of kept going further, and I just was struck by the fact that he didn't just stick to one thing. And, and But I do agree that he wasn't trying to fire anybody up. I was just surprised at how far he went in yeah. complimenting yeah. all aspects. Well, um, I, I was just—I would just right. say this, Rich. Um, I think there's one factor we have to take into consideration here when you're talking about what Parsons said, which is that if you go back to the game that the Eagles and Cowboys played earlier this season, the Eagles' play calling and scheme had Parsons kind of on a string all night. Uh, you know, if you watch the telecast, I believe it was NBC that night. I forget if it was a Monday night game or a Sunday night game, but there was a lot of emphasis on how the play calling and the blocking schemes were confusing Parsons. They were kind of using his aggressiveness against him. So from his perspective, I'm sure he looks at the Eagles and says, boy, they outthought me in that game. It wasn't as if he had a one-on-one shot that tackled Jalen Hurts and Hurts juked him and, and Parsons missed him. You know, it was more the system, the Eagles system put me in bad position. So I'm sure that kind of influenced how he's looking at this question too. Yeah, that was the best part of that game, man. They made him look bad. Yeah, they did. Was, they really it was, did. It was brilliant. You had a guy who was the best defensive player of the year, uh, of the season so far. And you have those broadcasters going into the game, unstoppable, Michael yeah. Parsons. And they just, you said, uh, yo-yo or whatever you just said. They had him going back and forth against his uh, own momentum. It was brilliant. Yep. It was. Uh, okay, Bob and Delco, hang on. We will. I, I don't like to make anybody from Delco hang long, so we will get you in the next segment. Uh, you know what we are talking about. By the way, coming up, our um, uh, feature today on This Week in Philadelphia Sports History is it is the anniversary of two, actually three, momentous things. On the same day, the Phillies traded for Roy Halladay. Great! And <laughs> traded away Cliff Lee. Not Horrible. great. Horrible. No, <laughs> Not great. No. <laughs> And on uh, 364 days later, it was uh, Cliffmas season when they the Phillies re-signed Cliff Lee. And Ruben Amaro, who was the guy who did all those deals, is going to join us at 11. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the current state of the Phillies and what they have done. A lot of Eagles talk because they are just so great. Uh, we'll get a little bit into Joel Embiid, thinking the fans want to trade him. I want Mike's take on that. But we do want to hear from you, 215-592-9494. We'll be here until 1 o'clock today. Uh, Best caller of the day, by the way, gets a $50 gift card from Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Shop their Center City or Wayne locations or visit them at shybsports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. Along with Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now. Hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get much better from here, so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's the kickoff to Boston Scott. He's coming out from one yard deep to the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. He cuts to the outside, 35, 40, 45 midfield. He's running down the sideline and finally pushed out deep in Giants territory at the 34-yard line. There we were. Three minutes to go in the second quarter. Eagles already up 21-7. And yes, you heard it, Boston Scott, 66-yard kickoff return. By the way, Mike Sielski, great blocks on that play. I went back. I watched it like a dozen times. Uh, great block <laughs> from Zach Paschal, who opens it up, and uh, Grant Calcaterra, the tight end. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into why we played that in a moment, but I just want to say Paschal is a guy who came here as a free agent from Indy. He really hasn't the opportunity to get much playing time because the guys ahead of him are so good and so healthy. He's made a couple of important catches, but he has shown himself as a veteran player who can help you on special teams. Yeah, he's been very good on special teams, and he's the kind of guy, Glenn, that I think a team that's going to make a Super Bowl run needs in this regard. As you said, he's playing behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who are as good as any wide-receiving duo in the league. 
But Pascal is a good player. He's a solid receiver, and he's the kind of guy who, in a big game, if you need somebody kind of, you know, on the side, so to speak, to make a big play, he is capable of that. He's a trustworthy guy. Uh, Jalen throws the ball to him quite a bit on third down, I've noticed. They go to him quite a bit. I'm not quite sure uh, what it is about that. The Sirianni and Steichen seem to like to go like to go to Zach Pascal and Kenny Gainwell on third downs, it seems well, to me. the Pascal one, I think it's like, okay, good hands. Yeah, right? so that yeah. Gainwell... I don't know, but he listen. He's contributed more the last couple of games. He has. Than he has he's been so better. Good. He's been yeah. better. He has, and and that's a good thing. You know, they have depth at wide receiver and running back, and and that certainly explains why they're as good as they are. All right, but that was not why we played that. We played that because it was the longest kickoff return of the year by the Eagles. You don't get a lot of kickoff returns these days. Uh, Boston Scott. Did a terrific job, by the way. Boston Scott, of course. Giant killer. Had his touchdown against the Giants. Amazing how well he plays against that franchise. And for those who uh, who recall and have followed along at, uh, at home, Mike and I have a stupid football bet this year, carrying on the tradition that I did with Ray Dinger for many, many years. Essentially, the bet is I get credit for... Good returns the Eagles have of mm-hmm. punts or kickoffs. It's punts of tw- punt returns of twenty yards or more, kickoff uh, returns that go to the forty or further. Uh, Mike has muffed muffed punts and kickoff returns that don't get to the twenty. Is that yeah? I believe okay. so. Yes. All right. So there you go. Yeah. You were up six to one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, and now it's six to five. Six to five. This baby. this bet is getting stupider all the time. This bet is getting better. I there I feel, t- t- just not to not to you know um, uh, condescend to you, Glenn, but I I'm feeling a little bit like the 1992 Houston Oilers against the Buffalo Bills uh, at Rich Stadium, and you've got Frank Reich I was on your at side. That game. Yeah, you were covering it for the Inquirer, right? I did cover that game for the Inquirer. Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm, I feel like well, I'm. The Inquirer uh, covered national football. Yes. Yes, and I feel like I'm I'm squandering a 35 to three lead here uh, on this stupid are football you? bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jack Party on the sideline, going, "How yeah. is this happening?" That's right. I'm Frank Reich, baby. Mm-hmm. Kelly gets hurt. Reich comes in. We're going to do this thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Listen, I, and I'm really enjoying it. So, that aside, which is great. I mean, that was their biggest weakness. That was the thing that we said could kill the Eagles one of these games. They're going to screw up on some punt return or some coverage. Listen, they did have a punt block last week, and the punter got injured, so all is not completely well. But they fixed their problems, and they have, to a large degree, fixed the problem of special teams at least the last couple games. Yeah, agreed. agreed. And you're right. It was the one thing that you looked at and said, boy, this could really lose them a game. Uh Go back to that Packers game, for instance, on Sunday night, the 40-33 to game, where time and time again you thought, oh, okay, here's where the Eagles pull away, and they would score a touchdown and then give up a long return on the ensuing kickoff, and the Packers would be back in business, and the momentum would have shifted, and it was a close game pretty much throughout. So uh, the fact that they've been able to tighten this up, clean it up, and turn this into, if not necessarily a strength because their offense and defense have been so good, but certainly not a an obvious weakness, uh, speaks to the coaching staff. It really does. It, and yeah. it, it speaks to their willingness to adjust. If we've learned anything about Nick Sirianni and his staff over the year and three quarters that they've been in charge of the Eagles, it's that they are willing and able to adjust. You saw it last year with the offense, you know, 
turning it into a run-first attack to take advantage of what Hurts did well and what the offense did well, and now you see it with special teams, and here they are at 12-1. You know what? That's a great point. Uh, in a league and a sport where so many coaches are intransigent, right? Mm-hmm. This is my way. This is what we do. And, and, and Nick... He's young, and I think that that adds to him being flexible. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it, it shows it shows a refreshing and relative lack of ego. I mean, look, all NFL head coaches are egomaniacs. They just are. Even well, the most humble. You're not going to get the job if you're not. Right? right, but the fact that they are able to shift gears as quickly and as seamlessly as they do speaks to a, a humility on the coaching staff that I think is really refreshing and yeah, and absolutely. beneficial. All right, let's get to Bob and Del Ran. What's on your mind, Bob? Hey, I'm the I'm the guy that uh, you put the Big B rule on uh, for weekends only. So I kind of laugh at that, where you say you can't go <laughs> twice on weekends. So I'm the I'm the Big B guy. You know, Tom Bigby was great. God bless his soul. Wherever yep, he's a well, great we'll, guy. We'll we'll talk to you today. What are you thinking? Okay, um, a couple things. Uh, my main point is, and you know, I've never. I think I told you before. I, I, I've never gotten back Prescott. I think he's a middle of the road quarterback. I just because I think, and I kind of agree with Mr. Eskin that he's not. He's just average quarterback. He just gets a lot of publicity, et cetera, because of the Dallas propaganda machine. And I'm surprised that Rhea is says, "Oh, he's a good." Co-. I'm shocked that Rhea has that attitude. Listen, do me a favor. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna make me upset again. If you want to argue with Rhea, call Rhea. No, okay. <laughs> She's very easy other... to reach. She's there five days a week. I get it. We're here today. I so get give it. us either okay. your opinion question or where you, you disagree with us. Here's my question with both of you. It's an overall thing. The Cowboys have been one of the most, as far as in a marketing thing, probably the most popular franchise with a lot of fans around the country, probably the most fans in the country. I, I kind of understand it, but when do you think this is going to end? Because they haven't won in 30 years. There's been teams like Green Bay, yeah, uh, New England, that's won seven, that don't have that type of uh, uh, get the publicity and the Bob, propaganda. Bob, yeah. I, I can answer that for you, Bob. When will it end? It will end when... The TV ratings and the Q ratings uh, drop because they don't. The Cowboys move the needle still to this day. Look at television ratings when the Cowboys are involved in a primetime game. Look at ratings of TV sports talk shows when they discuss the Cowboys. The Cowboys generate interest. It doesn't mean that they're a good football team. It doesn't mean that they're going to win the Super Bowl. It just means that they draw a lot of interest. It's the same reason that people talk about the Lakers or Tom Brady or any of that, any of those topics that come up over and over again. So I think there's a couple. I, I think his, his overall question was why. Why is it that they still matter like that? And I think it boils down to one thing, the owner. Yeah. Yeah, now it does, yes. Right. Yeah, the the legacy of those Super Bowls is so far in the past that you know the people walking around like oh we got five rings well like no, your grandfather might but the, you don't yeah it's like me talking about the Eagles nineteen sixty championship things things go back a certain distance they don't matter um, they don't it's not the franchise of Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin where they had all these you know big magnetic personalities because they really don't now they're no. not in any way a special team they're a good team. I don't, want to, I don't want to minimize it. They are a good team, but they're not a team with superstars. Zeke Elliott was a superstar. I don't mm-hmm. think he is now. It's not like they have somebody who everybody's got to buy the jersey. And I agree with him. Prescott, I think he's a little better than average, but he's not top 10 to me. Well, I think he's, I think he's well above average. He's on the edge of the top 10 for me. I mean, well, you, you look at his numbers, Glenn. I mean, he's had, he's had some really good seasons. I'm more on re- I, with Reed I, I, I can this. name. I can name... 
I can name 10 quarterbacks I'd like to have more than him. Oh, okay. And you and I will be doing that in our noon segment when we look at the young quarterbacks in the league. So okay. we, we, we can tee that up right now. Sounds good. Um, you know, the star used to mean something. And, yeah. and maybe it does in terms of legacy. It's kind of like the Yankees logo maybe will always mean something like that. But I think it's the owner. Yeah. And I think I mean, what else makes them compelling? No, and I think it's the owner's style, so to speak, right? Like all NFL owners want to build a new stadium. Only one of them builds one that looks like it belongs in a Steven Spielberg movie. Right. Uh, and right, with stripper poles. Exactly. All of that. Just <laughs> the, the players have to walk through the you crowd know, to get Je- there. And, yeah. yeah. Jerry all, Jones all yeah. excels at excess and that draws attention. And you're right. And and they're competitive enough, right? They're always in the mix. Uh, they've been the favorite a few times and have lost and fallen short. And that adds to the attention that they get. So, And there's still some of that residue of they were America's team in the 70s. And the dynasty of uh, the early 90s is still a discussion topic, I think, because primarily Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin are still involved in discussions about the NFL. They're high-profile people. You know, still involved at ESPN and, you know, had right. been at Fox. Oh, they, they listen, they dominate the broadcast booth, if not the field. Right. Daryl Johnson, you know, is another one. Uh, who I like. Yep, me too. The thing is, a lot of their players, they don't like his players, but I end up liking his broadcast. I like Aikman. I think a- Aikman, and Aikman is very, uh, in the little bit I've interacted with him, uh, had the opportunity yes. to. He's very cordial, very... I have I have as well, and he's Yeah, a, he's, he's, a, he's just a gentleman kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Biggest hands in... in, in Western civilization. So you ever shake his hand? I have. And I always... It's like uh, shaking a baseball. It is. And if you go back and watch um, video of him playing quarterback, you can can see how big his hands are. Like, he would wrap his entire hand around the football, like palms flat on the ball. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, Robin Overbrook. Is Is this our old friend Rob, who I've not heard from in a long time? Glenn, what's going on? How have you been, my friend? There it is. Been way too long. I, I thought you uh, left town or something. Nah, I'm still around, man. How uh, you well, doing? Nice to hear from you. How you doing, Mr. Mike? How are you? I'm great, Rob. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, I had to call once I heard the, uh, the Chris Sims thing. You know, it's human nature. It's not so much, just like with Dallas Cowboys fans, it's, it's if you admit it's, it's human nature not to want to admit that you were wrong about something, because then you have to look at yourself, mm-hmm. and maybe you might have to say that maybe I'm not as bright as I thought I was. It's the same thing with MAGA supporters with Trump. You, you can't. Oh, don't, don't go do it. on me, Rob. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We had somebody do it the other truth. direction last week. I just don't want to do it. But it's the truth. It's just human. Stick nature. with the quarterback. Just, and listen, the human nature part we all agree on, and let, let's, yeah. let's we'll leave the politics so, out of it. Yeah, okay, but well, that's just an extreme example. But, you know, history is full of extreme examples like that. So, you know, this guy Sims, you know, maybe because he wasn't good enough to, 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 to be like, you know, and it might be a little bit of envy there. That's it, too. You know, I, don't think, never made it. I don't think it's that either. I, I Listen, I think your first point is a good point because yeah, we all fall into nature. that. And, and when you do the job that Mike and I do, you offer so many opinions that you are all, you you are inevitably wrong sometimes. Right. I was wrong about saying I didn't think Hertz was going to be as good as Wentz. Well, he's better than Wentz, um, and I will admit it. But there is an inclination not to want to do it, and I think in Sims' case, you might have it. You know, it, I don't think it has to do with how good a player he was, but I do think it has to do with just kind of admitting he's wrong. 
Yeah, because uh, I, I was, I've been, uh, you know, when I called before, I've been a, a staunch um, uh, supporter of, of, of Jalen. You know, and my thing was everybody, you know, especially people on your station, oh, we got to get uh, Aaron Rodgers, or we can get uh, no, no, what's the guy yeah. in Russell Wilson. No, no, no. Yeah, look, you look at the look on his face. He looks like he'd rather be with his posse getting a, 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 a hot co- cocoa or something as opposed to playing football anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like he looks so disinterested. He's like, what is, what is my wife doing? What are, they, what are my friends doing? Oh, you, know, you do love to read, people. Uh, uh, I love yeah. hearing from you. I got to hit a break. That, was, uh, that call went in 18 different directions. R- Russell Wilson, leader of the hot cocoa posse. <laughs> <laughs> He's already not playing this week. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, just real quick. Imagine it, though. Rob does raise a good point in this regard. Uh, it wasn't outlandish to think that at this point in the season, uh, if things had turned out differently, the Eagles head coach would be Josh McDaniels and their quarterback would be Russell Wilson. <laughs> and they'd be 4-8. and eight. Yeah. And everyone would be miserable. 4-9. and nine. Yeah, we would be miserable. 2 on 5 5 9 2 94 94 Along with Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, we'll get your calls coming up. Work a little Sixers into the next conversation. They win last night, but there's a weird thing going on with that team. Uh, Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. I hate those promos. <laughs> Not good, I mean, man. I'm sorry. I'm, listen, I'm a loyal employee of the station, and I don't criticize other people's work, but the the one about Patrick Mahomes is really not good. No, 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 no. We're twelve years old, man. Yeah, let's come yeah. on. We're better Stop. than that. Stop. Uh, all right. Before we get back to the callers, Sixers win their fourth in a row last night over a uh, the hurting Golden State team. Steph Curry's not there. Draymond Green's not there. And Wiggins and they're all they're all out. So, uh, and the Sixers. It took a while for the Sixers to realize, like, oh, we better play this game. <laughs> they don't know it's. They don't know it's a show. They think it's a damn game. Yeah, for a while there, Dante DiVincenzo was treating them like it was. Uh, he was facing Michigan in the uh, 2018 National Championship game. There you again. go. Uh, but in the end, Joel Embiid scores 34, 13 rebounds. Good game for Harden, and they and they win it going away. But the story of the week is that Joel Embiid is doing something, and you're good at reading mm-hmm. kind of uh, human uh, thought patterns here. Earlier in this week, he said, I want to get the right the right guy to whom he said it. Uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. Yeah, who's been a guest on the show and a good writer, mm-hmm. uh, Jake Fisher. Uh, he's talking to Embiid, and I don't, I don't remember the question that came up, but the answer from Embiid is, you know, Sixers fans, they want to trade me. And Fisher says, you don't believe that. And Embiid says, oh, I do believe that. They want to trade me. Now, I will say there is always a a small minority of people in every fan base of every team that wants to trade the star. I've been fielding those calls for 29 years on WIP, Mm -hmm. starting with Mike Schmidt back in the day. Sure, yeah. That's always that way. That's just the way it trade McNabb. You know, always. Everybody. Um, and I think, you know, there are a few people who are kind of, I don't think they want to trade Embiid. I think they're just kind of like disgusted with the team. Yes. And think, well, you know, they're never going to, hey, have we been here before? They're never going to be better than a second round playoff team. And so therefore we got to make changes. And so I guess Embiid, but I don't think, I don't think that's the prevailing thought at all. Where do you think Embiid gets this thing? Well, 
one caveat here, Glenn, there is a line in, in Jake's piece where he says, uh, there's that twinkle in Embiid's eye when he's ready to unwind and talk. And his eyes are apparently twinkling when he says, Sixers fans, they want to mm. trade me. So I wonder how facetious or tongue-in-cheek Joel was being by saying this. He's He does call himself Troll Embiid sometimes. He does. He, he does, does try to get a rise out of people sometimes. Yeah, so I wonder if that was at work here. Uh, but no, I don't think, you know, a significant portion of the Sixers fan base wants or thinks the Sixers to trade Joel Embiid. Uh, I think, as you said, there are a few people out there who see him and think, well, maybe you can't win with a center in today's day and age uh, because of the way the sport has changed. And uh, there's somebody like me who wrote last week that he's great, but there's a level of greatness that other players in the league Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, others have reached that he hasn't quite reached yet. And by the way, since I wrote that column, the Sixers are 4-0 and Embiid has played out of his mind. So there you're you welcome, Philadelphia. Take a bow. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but I think that's what's at work here. It's, it's a little bit of Joel being playful and winking at us and a little bit of, you know, I wrote what I wrote. Kyle Newbeck at Philly Voice wrote something very similar kind of saying the same thing about Joel, that, hey, he's great, but he can't make elementary mistakes at big moments of games and things like that, and he needs to be better. And ever since then, he's been better. So I think yeah, there's well, a few things at work. It, 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 what will be the test, of course, is they're going to have to make a big-time run in the playoffs, and he's got to do it, and that that's where he's got to prove himself. Yes. Um, if they were to trade him, and I don't think they plan to, and I think you're probably right, he's probably just goofing, and I think 90% of the fan base does not, but if they do, it will mean that he will have been gone. Mm -hmm. Simmons is gone. Fultz is gone. Uh, uh, what's now? Okafor is long gone. Nerlens Noel, who started this thing, is long gone. If they end up trading him, Mike, that would kind of be a, a statement that the entire process has been a failure. Yeah, you know, you and I have this discussion off the air often, and <laughs> and we're having it now. Um, look, it it would be. The end of to totally the end of what I guess has become the process era. I do feel like that everything that's happened to the Sixers or by the Sixers since Sam Hinkie arrived here in 2013 does kind of get like a fruit of the poisonous tree sort of uh, feel to it that anything that's happened since then. That's your tree. Well, that's it is tree. and it isn't. I mean, Hinkie left in 2016. Uh, I don't think he would have made some of the moves, for instance, that Brian Colangelo made. Um, and I think there's something bigger here at work too, Glenn, um, which is that one of the things, one of the drawbacks to the process, I honestly believe this, is that it gave Sixers fans hope, genuine hope, for the first time in three decades. It was easier to be a Sixers fan in some ways before that because they never really had a realistic chance of com even competing for a championship. They didn't. Even the year that they went to the finals with Iverson in 2001, everybody really knew that the Lakers were going to blow their doors off once they got there. And now with the process and with Embiid getting here and Simmons coming in, there was this genuine possibility that they might be great and might win a championship. And so it hurts more when they continue to fall short. And I think that's a factor and a variable we have to take into consideration when we're thinking about how disappointed people are now and viewing this whole thing as a failure. 
It's a fine rationalization, Mike. <laughs> I don't buy a minute of it, but you certainly tried your best. All right. Well, let's look, see. I mean. Ah, well, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get we'll, there. We'll revisit it. Okay. I want to get a couple calls before the top of the sure. hour. Jeff from the airport. Hey, Jeff. Yes, sir. Glenn. Sir. I'm going to have to get used to this without the uh, the ditty over there. <laughs> well, yes, you are. And, I, and, I, and let me say, I think we agree Mike's doing a fine job. And just, I was going to say, welcome, Mike, because I don't call as much as I used to, but welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks, Jeff. If you're still at the airport at around 2 o'clock, maybe I'll see you there. Yeah, uh, you need you need a, a first-class seat? Uh, if you can save one for me on a flight to Chicago, that would be splendid. I'm going to text you a link, and I need you to send me about $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> All sounded good until the last eight words. That's going right to my spam folder, my friend. All right, what do you got about the, uh, you I'm, want to talk about quarterbacks, system I'm going to make a comment, and then I'm going to make I'm a, about settling this system thing, and then I'm going to make three controversial negative comments in order to make a positive, if you allow me. Uh, the system comment is that we're so blind, we only hear one side of the system. So my question is to everyone in the listening audience, does the QB make the system or does the system makes the QB? And I think that's where we're looking at Micah Parsons saying that the system is what makes our QB. No, our QB is what makes this system go. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. let me say this controversial. Devontae Smith is not a true Heisman winner. He's a COVID winner because so many players set out. It, it, it came down to a handful of people that could win the Heisman. I'm going to make another controversy. You're bringing bringing this up today because why? Because if he's not a true Heisman, it takes hurt to make him a better player, which he he is doing. I was going to make three and then come back, but I'll try to I don't don't know about the shot at Devontae. Give me one more thing because we got to run. He's a good one. Okay, Lane Johnson, they say he has to give up any sacks. Because of our quarterback making the system, avoid at least 10 to 15 sacks a year. Hertz is making this line better than what people think it is because he's the one making this system work. There's a great word here, Jeff. You know the word synergy? Yes, bringing two things together. Bringing, things yeah, bringing together. multiple things together to make them all better. And I think what we have here is a fine case of synergy. Yeah, and to Jeff's point about the offensive line, you know, he's right to a degree in that Hertz, of course, can escape and get out of the pocket and and doesn't get sacked in situations where other quarterbacks might get sack, sacked. But, man, Lane Johnson in particular has been yeah. <laughs> the best right tackle in football for a yeah. long time. Yeah. Nick Foles wasn't getting sacked uh, as frequently as other quarterbacks either. Carson Wentz, different story. Yeah. Um, no, I, totally I think different story. I, I th- Lane doesn't need us to, to tell the world how good he is, but you're right. He is that good. All right, coming up, and if you're on hold, stick around because we will get you, but we are going to visit with our pal Ruben Amaro for This Week in Philadelphia Sports History. Ruben was dealing like a crazy man. Uh, <laughs> how many years ago? 13 and 12 years ago this week, Ruben Amaro was all that. We'll explain that and discuss it with him Coming up, Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow. Hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. Little pop-up. Lee will take it himself. 
Made that look easy. That was a rather nonchalant grab. The guy's in the World Series. That's out number two Cliff, here in the get sixth. A, get excited, will you? <laughs> Ho hum. <laughs> Halliday is one strike away. The 0 2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time! Roy Halliday has thrown a no hitter. Oh, memories, Mike Sielski. Memories, great ones. All right, so here you go. Um, time for This Week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Shop there, Center City or Wayne locations, or visit shybsports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. Don't forget, best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. I take you back to December 16th, 2009. Mike, I was working middays with Anthony. We're at uh, Chickies and Pete's. We hear reports during the show. The Phillies traded for Roy Halladay. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. We're thrilled. And then comes the other side, the cost. Yeah. They had to trade Cliff Lee. Hmm. 364 days later, December 15th, 2010, I remember where exactly where I was again. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I'm getting ready for bed. I'm turning off my computer. And just check. I don't even think I had Twitter at the time. I don't remember where I checked. But I, I guess I went to whatever website. And what? Yeah. Cliff Lee, free agent, rumored to go to the Yankees. He's come back here as a free agent. The man who did both of those incredible deals joins us. Current WIP uh, co-host with Angelo Cataldi, where he does a great job. Former Phillies general manager, Ruben Amaro. Rube. Those were heady days. They were. First and foremost, guys, let me just uh, say congratulations on your show, Mike. Thank Glenn, you, Ruben. Happy holidays. Thank you, sir. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, the whole nine yards. And same to Appreciate you, my friend. It. Right back at you, Rube. So let us Thank go you. back, Rube. And I know you've discussed yeah. this many times before, including on this show. But why the hell did you trade Cliff Lee for a bag of magic beans? That's exactly probably my, my best trade and my worst trade. <laughs> it was a hell of a day. Uh, it was an amazing day. Take us back to what happened that day. Well, there was a lot of things going on. I mean, obviously, the the, the reasons why we ended up uh, trading Cliff is just because I mean we had just moved so much talent out of the system. I really, I mean. It, it was no secret that uh, Roy Halladay was sort of my white whale. And he was, in my mind, the uh, best pitcher in baseball and the perfect fit for us. And I had a little birdie tell me that this is where he wanted to play. So going through that negotiation was, was not easy. And um, it was fun and exciting and exhilarating and stressful. But getting it done, that was huge for us. And... On the flip side, I mean, I just didn't really want to move Cliff Lee, but I thought, you know, it was probably the most important thing for me to hang on to him and to have the fan base think that we were going to keep both those guys. So we made the, we made the deals pretty almost simultaneously. And, you know, in retrospect, probably should have held, you know, we certainly should have held on to him. Pretty simple. How much, Ruben, did the fact that you had to move him or felt you had to move him motivate you come the off season of 2010 to get him back how, how much was that a driving factor 
Well, that was part of it, but you know, we were just trying to get better. Uh, we were in a, we were in a cycle at the time where for us, it was all about winning. It was all about trying to get the ring again. And that was, I mean, I was hell bent on that. And so got to give our ownership group a lot of credit for giving us the opportunity to do this because without their commitment and without their, you know, basically they were willing to go ahead and lose a whole bunch of money just to go ahead and, and try to do just that for the fans and for them to give me the opportunity, just like you're seeing right now with Dave Nabrowski and John Middleton. Yeah. They're doing they, their commitments pretty significant. And, and, uh, it was pretty clear that we, that, that Cliff Lee also wanted to come back to Philadelphia. So we yeah, I want to get, I want to get into that a little bit because as I recall it at the time, and you clearly know it better than any of us, it was 12 years ago this week. Everybody, I, I believe we all felt he was going to the Yankees. Those are the reports that were going out. Maybe there was another team or something, but I don't remember hearing the Phillies as one of the favorites. And you were really stealth with that um, because, I, again, as I said, and I don't know where Mike was at the time. I'll, I'll, but, I have a great anecdote about this, Glenn. Okay. I'll tell you in a second. Okay, but the story comes out, at least it broke publicly, around 11 o'clock at night, right before I went to bed, and all of a sudden it's like, what he's he's coming back uh and i'll I'll ask mike to hold this story for one second how were you able to do that so stealthy i'm sorry i just lost you for two seconds okay all right how were you able to do that um without any news getting out until you did it because hey rumors travel in baseball you kept that one under wraps yeah that was the that was the most difficult part of it because we were pretty certain that you know getting into a bit, bidding war with the Yankees or maybe some other clubs was just not going to happen. And um, you know, I just felt like there was only one way to get this thing done, and if we could get it done by being quiet, then we could uh, then we had a shot at it, and which is exactly what happened. And and again, it was pretty clear to me that uh, you know it's pretty clear to me that 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 Kristen and his, you know he and his wife and you know, everybody wanted to be back, so it was, uh, you know, it, it was just the right fit, and uh, it was an it was an exciting time. We are really fortunate to have all the like stars to be able to realign for us to be able to get it done. So, Glenn and Ruben, when when that signing went down, I was actually at City Field in New York. I was covering the Mets at the time for the Wall Street Journal. And I was at their annual holiday event that they hold for local elementary school students, at which several players were there, uh, including David Wright, who was dressed as Santa Claus uh, and had to answer questions from me and some other beat writers about, well, Santa, what do you think about the fact that the Phillies have signed Cliff Lee? (laughs) And at one point he said, to your point, Ruben, he said, um, yeah, they really snuck in on that. Uh, they had a plan, uh, and Car- Carlos Beltran was also at the event, and he said, "Yeah, it's going to be fun." And then he rolled his eyes. Um, what kind of? I, I guess Ruben, what I want to kind of probe you on is the the level that that signing took that 2011 team to. Um, 
what was it like to kind of deal with the repercussions of that? And by me, that, I mean the pressure of assuming that you're going to go to the World Series, the way that other franchises and teams were going to approach you. What was all th- that year like right up until the moment that it unfortunately ended in the way that it did? Uh, it was just kind of like, a, again, you know, for me, um, my goal was always to try to win baseball games and to try to get to the World Series. And you talk about 2011 now? Yeah, because you signed Cliff, and then yeah, in 2011 yeah. you have the rotation and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a great disappointment only because for me, in 2010-2011, I honestly believe, my heart of hearts, I believe that we had better teams than we had in 2008, just on oh, paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt. And the way they performed. And so... Whenever you get knocked out of those playoff situations when you have a feeling that you're better, it, it, it hurts. And, uh, you know, I was just disappointed. I was disappointed for the players. I was disappointed for the fans. Um, and, you know, the goal is always to win. And what, what can we do better? How, we can make, how, can, how can we make it happen? And we thought we did that in 2011. And we just could not get over the hump we had. You know, it just goes to show you that if you get in the playoffs, you got a shot. I didn't think that the Giants were a better club. Cody Ross was a thorn in my side. Yeah, gosh. Uh, 2010 with the Giants, and then 2011, it was, you know, had we lost a game against the Atlanta Braves at the end of the season, St. Louis doesn't get into the playoffs. We're not even playing them. And uh, and they happen to be the hottest team in baseball, and, and they got an unbelievable performance out of Chris Carpenter and we ended up getting knocked out there so you know the other part of it is that I thought that we we had it wrapped up had Chris Lee been able to hold down that one that lead yeah. in the second game oh, of that yeah. uh division series yep I, it would have been I think we would have had smooth sailing but that's you know that's part of baseball man it's a, oh you know, no that's what Cliff Lee said Cliff Lee said oh that's baseball yeah. it, and I get it it is it is and listen they were great teams Rube, let's let's just take a minute to talk a little bit about what's happening right now with the Phillies, who have already had a huge off season. Yeah. Um, do you have any concerns? And this isn't just the Phillies, but this is um, uh, the the contract that uh, Carlos Correa signed. I think a few others like this. Teams are signing players to really long deals now, more than a decade, eleven years, thirteen years. Do you have any concerns about the longevity of those deals as a guy who's been in management? Oh, of course. I mean, they're all, these are all deals that were done because they wanted to spread out the AAB and make it a little, you know, smaller as far as that is concerned so that they can fit people um, onto payroll so that they didn't have to pay penalties. And I don't think it's almost like a way to defer the contracts, which I don't think is a great way to do business. But if you want players now, I mean, we're in a copycat business. You want a player, you want a great player, and you want a difference maker, then now it's, it used to be six or seven years or eight years. Now it's jumped up to like, you know, 10 or 11 years. And the, the, the contracts that then become even more disconcerting are the ones for guys like Brandon Nimmo, who's a good player, mm-hmm. but not a great player. And he's getting an eight-year deal. And for him to get an eight-year deal on a player that's just a decent, good, solid baseball player, 
I don't know that that's great for the game. It's great for the players. Um, and, and kudos to them. And, and there's obviously enough money that the owners can pay these contracts. Um, but I just don't know if it's, if, you know, you're going to get the kind of production that you would hope to get out of. I mean, back in the day, if you got more than like a two or three or a four year deal, you're a great player. Now you're getting eight year, eight year deals. And that's just a ton of, uh, commitments moving forward. And I, here I thought, you know, when the commissioner, um, sort of in, in a lot of ways, sort of, uh, championing these, you know, some of the GMs who were analytically inclined, you thought, well, they're going to be more efficient with their decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're going to, <laughs> they're going to maybe, maybe they'll be a little bit more prudent with the dollars and cents. Well, that got blown out of the water. And, uh, and, and you're seeing, you know, you're just seeing the market change as the needs for certain ball clubs change. And, and, Hey, it's all about TV money. Kudos to to uh, MLB that have you know signed these deals and put the owners in a position to be able to make these kind of commitments and to, to be able to to pay the players and bring those players to their cities. Um, but I get concerned because you know the the Reds and the Pirates of the world they're they're not able to play in that stratosphere. And that was the one thing that Bud Selig really wanted to have happen was to have, like, each team have some hope going into the season. Yeah. There's about, you know, 15 or 20 teams, maybe closer to even the <laughs> 25 teams who really don't have a great shot at being in the playoffs. And that's, that's, not, the, that's not a great way to do business, and it's not great for the sport, in my opinion. Well, Ruben, one of the other uh... – lamentations that I think you and I have shared about baseball over time is the way the sport has changed, become about the home run and the strikeout. And obviously MLB is going to implement some rule changes for next year. And I'm curious, you know, the Phillies obviously spent a ton of money on Trey Turner, who was, you know, a top 10 player in this game, a terrific all around player. Do you think he'll be even better? Is it possible that he'll be even better for the rules changes that are getting implemented, the lack of shifting, hopefully the increase of doubles and triples and stolen bases and things like that. It seems like the Phillies might be getting a player like Turner at exactly the right time. Yeah, and that's the beauty of getting a player with this kind of talent. And and I, and I say talent, the breadth of talent. When you have a guy with uh, great range, excellent speed, good ball, bat to ball skills, all those things play into the what I think, and you know, MLB is trying to do is create action on the field. Um, all these things are going to make I think, you know, Turner even a, a more desirable and a more effective player overall. Um, now, the one thing that I, that I get a little disappointed, I'm kind of curious to see what the uh, ultimately how it all pans out. But while you are, you know, eliminating the shifting, you started to see in the minor leagues, like where players yep. were actually starting to hit against the shift and trying to control the barrel a little bit. I talked to a lot of scouts about it. And they were actually trying to now get base hits, which was a nice turnaround. And now 
you know, they've made a rule change basically because the players don't have this skill set anymore. They're changing the rules to have them, you know, I think that they're changing the rules to make the players better. I think it should be the other way around. The players should be adjusting to the rule. But um, if it makes more action on the field, then great. If it, if it creates um, more base hits, if it creates more you know, guys running around and, and more action on the field, then that's, that's excellent. And I hope it does happen because that's the way the game is supposed to be played. And I agree with you, Mike. There's just, you know, it's gotten to the point where there's just not enough action on the field, and that's important to the fan. I mean, oh gosh, yes. like yeah. in hockey, you want to you score goals. Yeah, well, right? and, 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 and by the way, in hockey, other than the Flyers, teams are scoring more goals. Ruben, I got, we got like 20 seconds, but I got one more last quick question. Yep. If yep. Ruben Morrow is the manager, what's the top of the batting order next season? Trey Turner's number one for me. And right. then I'm... Uh, and then it's and then it's Schwarber. I go left, right, left, right. I go with uh, Rio Muto, and then Harper. I love that. That's great. All right, Ruben. Again, the twelve years ago today, thirteen years ago today, they were heady time. Or this week, they were really heady times and and fun times. And that franchise was a blast. We hope you are enjoying your time on on WIP, my friend. Always have. And uh, again, congratulations on the show. Good luck with it. Thank I, you, sir. Thanks, Rube. All right. There you go. Be well. There you go. All right. Uh, let me uh, just get him one quick call because okay. Tom in Downingtown. He's been, been waiting for... a while. Yeah. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. How you doing? All Great, right. Tom. Good. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Enjoying it very much. Great. If I have time at the end, I got a quick question for you. But um, I want to get on the um, the Jalen Hurts debate. Glenn, like you, I was someone who thought the Eagles were crazy to get rid of Wentz, and actually even more crazy to hand the ball to to Hurts. Well, wait. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't say either of those things. Well, all, well, all I, I said was I didn't know that Hurts would ever have the upside that Wentz had. Wentz has gone completely south. Hurts has been amazing. But I that that's just. I didn't go quite as far as you, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right, but 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 I'm I'm pleased with that uh, that that he's doing so well. But in terms of the MVP, uh, he's probably going to get it. But if he doesn't get it, here's why I think it won't happen. And it kind of goes back to what you guys said in the last segment about synergy. You know, when I look at Bryce Harper when he won the MVP a couple of years ago. It was because he put the team on his back, and if it wasn't for Bryce Harper, that team would have, you know, it, 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 they wouldn't have had uh, a, a, as good a season as they did. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs that year, but Bryce Harper was the team. You look at this team, and you've got the best offensive line. You've got, when, when Goddard's healthy, you've always got four receivers on the field that somebody's going to be open that you can throw the ball to. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that, there's there's so many quarterbacks that, you know, listen, if you put Minshew in there, I agree with you, Mike, it's not going to be the same team. But right now, there's probably oh, he's five... minimizing the quarterback, Mike. Uh, no, 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 what, no, what I'm saying is, there's, is. Probably, there's probably five... Be honest now, there's probably five, at least five quarterbacks in the league right now that if you put them behind Kelsey, they'd have similar results. Well, yeah, would Patrick Mahomes be one of them? Sure. Well, uh, well yeah. But, well, but yeah, but he, five quarterbacks in the say. So you just said he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I oh, got I no problem with that. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. But, okay. but I don't think he. But I don't think he's MVP because uh, I think. Okay. It's I, I hear your point. I, I, I hear your you point. Know, 
I, I'll wait to pick my MVP at least another couple of weeks. Yeah. But I, I think yeah. he's the favorite now for good reason. But okay. What, what's your question, Tom? Uh, well, Mike, you know, one of the things I miss about uh, Ray Diddy is that every once in a while he would turn, uh, he would take a break and he would give the microphone to his brother, Roy. Who oh, Roy, 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 and I were kindred spirits, and I was just—I was just wondering: Do you have a crazy uncle or maybe a cousin Eddie that you could bring on the show every once in a while? When do we get the alter ego? That's a fine. We have not yet seen the alter ego. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's been a reason. It hadn't been a caller to get under your skin. Yeah, Glenn, I contain multitudes, so I, <laughs> it may just be. <laughs> I'm just kidding, right, yeah. um, but it may just be one of the uh, already present sides of my personality that that makes manifest. So we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. We're, we're going to always on. get the charming. No, I, I you know there, there's there's plenty of stories out there that in time we'll we'll get around to telling. Uh, I know Ray had the Christy Brinkley oh, uh, story, oh, and, if you and can, if you can get close to that. Uh, well, I can't get close to Christy Brinkley, but um, you know, other when, than when, Ray, none of us can. Exactly, no. exactly. All right, we come back. We're going to tell you what to watch. By the way, at noon, we're going to catch up with old friend Marshall Harris, who is now a big-time TV guy in Chicago. We'll get his assessment of the Bears, and we'll take your calls. 215-592-9494. Hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are healthy for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials, or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get better from here so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. All right, what we're watching is sponsored by Got a Door and Window. Take advantage of Got His Big Year End Sale. Receive 40% off of windows and doors until December 31st. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at gogida.com. By the way, before we get to it, Ray Dinger will be at Barnes & Noble in Broomall today from 1 to 3. If you want to go by and have uh, buy a nice book, Ray's book there, and have Ray sign it, he will be Barnes & Noble, Broomall 1 to 3. All right, Mike, we each, well, I'll explain why I'm watching a lot of TV these days, but I want you to go first. You are uh, going through a series of comedy specials. You've, you've focused on this. Yeah, I am. I, uh, I love stand-up comedy specials. I was actually uh, home last night with my family, and after the kids went to bed, I rewatched the Jerry Seinfeld stand-up from a couple of years ago just because I like that style of humor. And one of the the comics who practices that kind of observational humor and is really good and really funny is a guy named Tom Papa, who is in his early 50s. He's husband, father of two, uh, does some work for NPR, if you listen to NPR. And he has a special out, out, on that, out now on Netflix called What a Day. And it's basically him living life and talking about how a lot of us are living life these days coming out of the pandemic trying to be a parent trying to be a husband uh the differences between men and women all those kind of things and it's really really funny um i watched the and we talked about this last week i watched the sebastian maniscalco special which was which was very funny the tom papa one it's called what a day is better it is just i, I laughed from beginning to end i felt that everything he kind of was 
observing and putting his his stamp on was on the money. I related to it completely. Um, somebody else may, may feel differently, but it spoke to me and it it made me laugh, as I said, from start to finish. So uh, it's actually one of the best things I've seen this year. I give it four stars out of four. Um, yeah, I recommend it. Somebody of my generation or even a little bit older, someone like you, Glenn, I think would really, really find it funny. He was in a uh, series I watched. I think he was the guy on HBO well, like seven, eight years ago called The Nick. Okay. I did not um, see that. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a, a hospital series set back in the day. Ah. And I think that I'm pretty sure that was him. And he was very good. So, all right. Well, there you go. And the name of the special is one more time. Tom Papa. Yeah. What a day. And it's on. It's on Netflix. Okay. So I'm watching a show called Alaska Daily, which is a good old-fashioned newspaper drama starring Hillary Swank on ABC, of all things. Ah. Uh, created by a guy named Tom McCarthy, who wrote and directed the Oscar-winning movie Spotlight. Yes. O- the- also wrote the Pixar yeah. movie Up. He wrote up? Yes. That I, uh, that's one of my favorite movies. Me too. Uh, he also did the newspaper season of The Wire, so he's yes. got a really good resume. Yeah, he's the guy in The Wire who played the uh, the plagiarist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It is it is based on a series of articles uh, from the Anchorage Daily News in conjunction with ProPublica about uh, official indifference to uh, missing or murdered indigenous young women in Alaska uh, in recent years. And so that sounds like it should be great, right? Mm-hmm. Hillary Swank, the the guy Tom McCarthy wrote it, compelling story. It's not great. It's oh. it's it's decent to, to good. Here's the thing, Mike. I think if it had been an HBO miniseries or a Netflix streamer, I think they could have made it great. Mm-hmm. As a network series, it has to be something broader. It's got to right. be a little less subtle. It's dumbed down. It's got to appeal to a broader audience. Not dumb. But remember the old Netflix promo that they used to say, it's not TV, it's Netflix? Sure. Yeah, well, this is TV. <laughs> um, here's the setup. Hillary Swank plays a dogged investigative reporter in D.C., breaks a huge story involving a shady general, except that her lone source... By the way, the, the premise of the show is she's a great journalist, but she clearly is not. Right. She's got one source on this huge story, and that falls apart. And so she loses her job and her career, and she complains about being canceled by wokeness and the whole thing. Eesh. In steps an editor that she worked for 17 years ago who offers her a second chance, except he's now in Alaska. So she's got to move to Alaska. Um, and she goes, of course, and immediately alienates everybody. And this... This is where, as somebody who worked in newspapers for 15 years before I got into radio, I see all the faults. Mm-hmm. She lacks any tact. Any good reporter has to have some degree of tact. Yeah. Uh, the other reporters have no sense of how to get info. Um, she periodically has to give them like basic wisdom, like, hey, if something's public record, you have to demand it. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and huge stories amazingly come together in one day. And I think this is true with every profession where, like, if you're a doctor and you look at a medical show, you see all the the faults, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I was in newspapers. You're in newspapers. When you see a show involving newspapers, you go like, yeah, well, that's not how it works. Right, right. And so I do that. But I think most people probably don't care about that stuff. So if I can turn off my newspaper side, it's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's a good story. Um I sometimes like to, to do a mashup. It is Lou Grant meets Northern Exposure. Did you ever see Northern Exposure? I remember Northern Exposure, yeah. Yeah, it was a you good know, show. Offbeat, funny, you right. know. 
about a doctor who has to go to Alaska, right. in a small town in Alaska. Well, it's the same thing, but it's a newspaper reporter. Hey, Hillary Swank's up for a golden glove. 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 Excuse me. <laughs> a golden globule? What? <laughs> golden globe. She's not up for a gold glove. She's not that good of a second baseman, but she is for a golden globe. Globe. Jesus. I cannot say it. Anyway, the show, and this is where you'll also f- understand this. It's got it's got every stock character. It's got yeah. the cranky city editor. Oh God! And the over eager uh, club cub reporter and the idealized indigenous reporter. And it's not great, but it's popcorn TV. And sometimes you want popcorn. Can, can we talk a bit about Hillary Swank? This is an actress who has won two Best Actress Academy Awards. And yeah, big time. Big time. And and yet her career is not, it hasn't been great since that second Oscar. She won for a million dollar baby and she was awesome in it. Amazing. And it's a, it's a Wait, great movie. second Oscar? Yeah, she had won wow, for- that's, uh, going, that's like 2008? 2004. Oof, 2004. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's been 18 years since she was at the top of the heap and her, her career has kind of, you know, declined since then, I'd say. Well, this and is a good I'm curious why. Her. I don't know why. I don't know. But this is a good vehicle for her because she's kind of the star of the show. They would do wise to make her a little more likable. She's mm. just she's a little hard-edged, and he, he, they're going to have to make her a little more likable. Anyway, um, Alaska Daily is not a great show, mm. uh, but, it's a, but it's a fine show. And I give it a – you do it in stars. I do – Out of 10? Six out of 10. Yeah, okay. But right there in that middle zone where – it's worth watching, but if you got something better, do something better. Yeah, I, I think you're you're on the money there with respect to it being on ABC. You know, it's and and it having to appeal to a broader audience. You know, we referenced The Wire earlier, and there's a difference between a police show on HBO or a streaming service like The Wire and a police show on a network like, let's say, Blue Bloods or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And this exactly. is more of the Blue Bloods kind of end of things. It's it would a great be, comparison because yeah. Blue Bloods a decent show. And Blue Bloods is not a show that you're going to see on a streaming network, right? And so that's the, and that this is Blue Bloods for newspaper geeks. Gotcha. Uh, let's go to our friend David in North Philadelphia. How are you, Dave? Hi, David. Pretty good. Um, last three weeks, I actually was making a delivery at Rittenhouse Square. I drive past the one and only Ray Dittinger, his wife, and they were walking the dog. Ah. Last week, I went to the. Um, I heard you talk to Mitchie Tools, and I said, when you said where the location of the shop was. I said, that's got to be the one I, I did business with him during the pandemic. Yeah, right down near the foot of South Street. I walk in and I'm just like, that's him. Okay, so wow, it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It, this is a community who listened to WIP. Absolutely. Um, the Eagles are uh, better equipped to handle the mobile quarterbacks than any team probably ever. I think about out of the top five um, mobile quarterbacks, we've had three of them at different stages in their career with Randall, Dobbin, and Michael Vick. This 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 game comes down to their bad. That team's defense is bad, 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 bad. Put up a lot of points. My first quarterback sit down, eat some popcorn in the third quarter with the starters. Let them rest and heal up. I think so too. Yeah, we'll give our picks in the next hour. But I I, I mean, I predicted a blowout last week, and I comfortably can predict a blowout this week. Yeah, your point is well taken, David. I mean, the Bears basically run a facsimile of the Eagles offense. I mean, you know, Justin Fields has rushed for more than 900 yards. He's run for eight touchdowns, but he's not the passer that Jalen Hurts is. He just isn't. And so you're right. I think if there's any team that is familiar enough with the Bears offense to shut it down or ought to be familiar enough with the Bears offense to shut it down, it's the Eagles defense. 
and surprise. David, we're losing you, so I got to let you go. But uh, Merry Christmas to you, and give our best uh, to your sister. I've not seen your sister in a long time, so give us uh, give her our best. Uh, You know, I'm going to have Clay from Kansas City hold. He wants to talk about Parsons' disrespect. I don't know if it is Micah Parsons' disrespect toward Jalen Hurts, or is Micah Parsons being disrespected? We'll save that drama. Okay. For the next segment. Dun dun dun. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now. All right, Clay in Kansas City is checking in here. Now, Clay, is it that Micah Parsons hey, has dis- well, hi there. Is it that Micah Parsons has disrespected Jalen Hurts or that you think Micah Parsons is being disrespected? Oh, no, Glenn. I've called the show before. I'm a huge Eagles fan, have been here in Kansas City for many, many years. Oh, um, you and I have talked barbecue now, haven't we? we, we yes, we have. We have. Oh, yeah. um, you know, what I'm most proud of about the team this year, and I say we because after 35 years you're going to say we – uh, what I'm most proud of about this team is the way they handled this this week. You know, they didn't spout off and say things, you know, back and get into a war of the words. They're focused on the Bears. And, but I can guarantee you this I think inside that locker room, they know what the rest of the NFL is saying. Um, and I think there's a little bit of quiet frustration there. And I think that's a really good thing, Glenn. What do you think? Uh, Mike, I'm going to go to you on this, actually, because I want to hear your point of view on this first. Yeah, you know what, Clay, it's interesting. I'm in the locker room, I would say, not as much as some, but I'm in there twice a week, usually, uh, and and I'm able to get a decent sense of things. I don't sense frustration or a feeling amongst the players that, hey, we're not getting our credit. Uh, What I do sense is a confidence amongst all the guys that we're good. We know we're pretty good. We're not looking ahead at anything. And I know how cliched this sounds, but I do think I'm a big believer that more than even a head coach, the leaders of a team in any sport are the ones who really set the culture of that team. And I think that among Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Jalen Hurts, that the the perspective in that locker room is not let's get in a war of words or let's get angry or frustrated or fire back at anybody who says anything about us. It's more, hey, a lot of us have been down this road before, just kind of eyes on the prize and one week at a time and all that kind of stuff. And you need to have that and if you're going to be a successful team. And I, I chalk it up to the, the leaders in that room. You know what's funny is so often in sports you get the, hey, nobody believes in us. It's us against the world. Everybody, I mean, that narrative is played out. Thousands of times, often when it's just completely made up. It's, you know, teams need to find motivation. So the, there's the nobody believed in us. I haven't heard any of that from this team. No. Not at all. I think Mike's right. I think they're just they're just looking ahead and doing what they do. Yeah, go ahead. I'm can sorry. I, can I make a quick yeah. one additional yeah. comment? And then I'll go. Sure. So, like, I live in the Midwest, right? Uh, I have a little bit of a different perspective just because I am surrounded by Chiefs and Cowboys fans here. Mm-hmm. And my phone blows up during – you know, games and says, well, the Eagles look really good. Can't wait till they play the Cowboys or what if they play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And it, it doesn't feel necessarily exactly like 2017 when Kelsey makes a famous speech at the end. 
but maybe just a little bit. Now, I think it, it, this does nothing but benefit the Eagles to have people saying, hey, maybe they're a little bit overrated. And Guys, I, I love the show. Uh, listen to it every Saturday when I take my dogs for a long walk. You guys have a happy holiday. Beautiful. Well, Thank you, Clay. You know, one of the things, fans hear that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, media hears that stuff more than players hear that stuff. Football, more than other sports even, is very insular. I mean, these guys, they go in there in the morning. They're with each other. They're working out. They're going to you know position meetings. They hear from the coach. They go to practice. They go home. They're mm-hmm. tired. They eat dinner. They spend a couple hours with their wife. They fall asleep. Yeah, and, and here's mean, it's not like they're sitting around watching ESPN. Right, and here's the other thing, Glenn. This brings us back to where we started the show. There hasn't been a big, for lack of a better word, incident or moment or development that has put the Eagles in the position of being what they were in 2017, underdogs. The reason they heard all of the, all of the discussion and the, oh, you can't do it, you can't pull this off, is because they lost their starting quarterback who was on his way to becoming the, you know, the league MVP that year. And so none of that has happened yet. As, as we've said, they're, they're really everything that's come their way they've handled. They haven't, knock on wood, suffered a major injury to a really, really important player who's going to it's going to knock the guy out for a long time. Obviously, they've they lost Dallas Goddard for a period, um, but it's not as if they've had anything where they could that would they be a, had reason. a crisis moment. Yeah, nothing yeah, no, like that. No, they haven't, or co- even a controversial moment. They right. haven't had the the to Donovan exactly drama. Exactly. They haven't had any of that. Listen, they had their their down period against Washington and Indy. Right, they lost one game and they almost lost another. But since then, I mean, they've roared back with what forty, thirty-five, and forty-eight points. Yeah, they had a weakness early in the season against the run, and then the last two weeks they allowed thirty yards to Derrick Henry and I think twenty-eight yards to Saquon Barkley. They fixed things. Hey, they had two penalties for nine yards last week. After yeah. that being an issue, there's not a weakness. They lead the league in points scored. Their offensive and defensive lines are so good. Um, Jalen Hurts, I mean, we've talked about how excellent he is, and he has all day. This takes nothing away from him, mm-hmm. but he has all day to look for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, yeah. who are pretty damn good. They have, as you said, they survived the loss of Goddard. He's coming back. They had 29 sacks all last year. There's a big weakness. This year, they've got 49 sacks. They're on pace for 64. They're the only team in the league that has five different linemen with at least 28 pressures. And that may sound like an obscure stat, but it's not. They got seven sacks last week, um, and they get pressure all through the defensive line. Glenn, they have a 34-year-old defensive end who's coming off of Achilles yeah, tendon surgery How about that? who's going to set a career high in sacks this season. They have a left tackle who they traded up to draft who does not play. He doesn't start. Andre Dillard was supposed to be their left tackle of the future, yeah. and he doesn't see the field unless something goes wrong. Yep. yep. I mean, that speaks to where they're at. And, and yes. it's, I get it. It's an uncomfortable position for us as Philadelphia followers and fans to be in, to take a step back and say, what do we have to complain about here or worry about? But that's where the Eagles are at this point. We had Ruben Amaro on earlier, right? And Ruben was uh, one of the architects, or the prime architect of the 2011 team, which Maybe it's a bad comparison because they ended up losing in the playoffs far earlier than we thought they should have. But that that was the last team to me before this one. And listen, mm-hmm. the 2017 team, they went and won the Super Bowl. But this team 
since then is the one where every week I think like they're just going to kill the opponent. Yeah, they're they're great. I I that team, the 2011 Phillies, were great. To me, this team so far, right? Still yeah. a lot to prove, but so far they are they are at that level of greatness. Yeah, and, and there's a, I think we've discussed this before too. There's like a sweet spot in this town for a certain kind of team. I think this year's Phillies team, for instance, fit that where. You could look at them and say, if everything went right, or if they got hot, they could make the kind of run that they ended up making to the World Series. But but based on the way they got into the playoffs, there was this lack of pressure on them, right? Like, they were the last team to get in, they ended the playoff drought, the The town was and the region was kind of happy about that, and mm-hmm. anything beyond that is, in a way, gravy. Sort of the same thing with the 01 Sixers, where they're just yeah, playing yeah, their yeah. guts out every night, yeah, and yeah. however far they go, well, at least we know they... They left everything on the court. Uh, this kind of team, or the 2011 Phillies, are different in that regard. It's a little harder for us to deal with when a team is expected to win. <laughs> yeah, well, they've earned it. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, somebody just called and uh, was talking about your hardware store. Somebody did? Yeah, was he it, said they'd... Uh, our friend, from, was it was Dave from, from North Philly. Said they'd yeah, just, I, he, I missed it. He was in here for two hours the other day. We were talking. Yeah. Wow. Uh, about you guys and WIP, boy, he can talk. I thought I can yak. My God. <laughs> Let me just say something. Put the two of you together in one room. Yeah, oh, my God. It's a lot of words. Well, I got to get my weekly call in again, guys. Confident, yeah, relaxed about Sunday's game. Um, you know, uh, there's nothing There's nothing bad to say. God, remember the old days you used to call up? Everything was, you know, negative this, negative that. I, 27-21, I see the Eagles winning. Um Oh, that's a lot closer than I see, but okay. Yeah, you're right. I said that last week, and they, you know, but I, you know, I think this is going to be a little tougher with a running quarterback for the, you know, for the mm-hmm. Chicago. But um, it's a good time to be a fan. Look, look, Mitch, I want to ask you something, which yes. is, you know, you come at this from from the perspective of a longtime fan. What is? Where do you get the joy out of following a team like the Eagles? And I, I know that sounds kind of obvious and silly, but. Do you really appreciate and and treasure the ride that a team like this is putting you on? And and then how do you deal with the possibility that, okay, they might lose in the playoffs and they might fall short of where we would hope they would go? See, I'm just like, the, you know, one game at a time, enjoying each win, not thinking about, I'm not even talking about Dallas or anything else, it's just enjoying it and, and knowing that, you know, I leave the story here, and we have a, I talked to somebody, I run somebody on the street, we have a winning team. I mean, I've been, how long have I had to talk to customers? Oh, the Eagles, are they going to have, remember, Glenn, the old days, six wins, eight wins, ten mm-hmm. wins. Now you have, you know, you have a Super Bowl ring a few years, not that long ago, and, and you have a great team this year. So it's, it's a great so it's feeling. funny, Mike. He really, Mitch reflects kind of what we started the show with, mm-hmm. which yeah. is they're so good and there's so few issues of drama. We really yeah. don't know what, like, what are we talking about? Right. They're just, they're great. Right. We're not used to saying they're great. Mitch, have a great weekend. Happy Hanukkah to you and your family, Mitch. Yeah. I mean, it's an unusual position to be in. Yeah, it is. It's, um, but there's, not so bad. No, not bad. It's, it's, it's testing the, the theory that you can't enjoy the sweet without the sour because there really hasn't been very much sour this season. There's been a lot of it in the past, but not in the last three months. All right, coming up, we catch with our catch up with our old friend Marshall Harris. Used to uh, sit in the chair Mike sits in right now, occasionally. Now a big time, big time sports guy in Chicago. We'll compare and contrast the two quarterbacks in tomorrow's game. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now on ninety four WIP.
shoving people around. Fields, oh, what a move. The move past Nixon. And Justin Fields ahead of the field. And gone. What a run. Eagles on the season are decent on fourth down. Hurts back again. He's floating it for Devontae Smith, who makes the catch. The Giants miss, and he walks into the end zone. Oh, the my Giants goodness. gambled, and Hurts went 41 yards for the touchdown, beating Darnay Holmes. Oh, my who came goodness. up, flat out missed him, and trotting into the end zone was Devontae Smith. All right, well, there you have two great plays. Last weekend, by true great young quarterbacks, Justin Fields going 55 yards against the Packers, uh, followed by Jalen Hurts' 41-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith against the Giants. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, regional presence, community touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. All right. Excited to be joined here, Mike, by, oh, old friend of mine, now a big... Big timer at CBS in Chicago, our pal Marshall Harris. Marshall. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? It's great to join y'all on a beautiful Saturday morning. I hope yeah. it's more beautiful there than it is here. It's very yeah. great. Very yeah. good here. Well, you know. It's it's sunny here, Marsh. Gotta be honest. It's a little 75 more. degrees, yeah. sunny, Marsh. You don't know what you left, you know? Oh, man. When I was there, it was raining the whole time. I just got back. <laughs> I took a 5 a.m. flight this morning to get back to Chicago from Philly. Uh, I know, and I'm sorry that I missed you here. One of these days we will catch up. One of us has to owe the other dinner at this point. I don't know. But <laughs> let us start with what we just pay- played. And I want you, as a guy who has watched both of these two quarterbacks closely, and now you're based in Chicago, you get to see Justin Fields every week, compare and contrast, if you would, these two guys in terms of just kind of bottom line what you see in both of them now and in terms of their promise. Listen, I think Jalen Hurts has reached his promise. I know, you know, if you go back to the start maybe of last year, even in the middle of last year, people were like, I don't know if this is the guy for the Eagles. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing what happens when you get him surrounded by, you know, premium talent and you wait until year three to truly evaluate what this man has developed into. And the irony is if you look at a lot of his second-year numbers from last year and you look at what Justin Fields is doing now in his second year – it's highly comparable. I mean, you talk about comparing and contrast. I'll say they're more alike than they are dissimilar. And I think Bears fans are very hopeful because they feel like they found their quarterback of the future, and now it's just a matter of going out and surrounding him with an A.J. Brown type and some other weapons like Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Although I think they have the tight end and Cole Komet, local guy, um, who's come on strong here of late before the bye. Offensively, they've got it figured out. Um, and I think with those two quarterbacks, it's a blueprint. Jalen Hurts is for Bears fans to get excited about when they look at Justin Fields, a guy who I'm going to say is more explosive than Jalen Hurts with his legs, but Jalen Hurts doesn't really need to use his legs in the same way that Justin Fields does because Justin Fields a lot of times is literally running for his life. So, Marshall, you kind of uh, rolled right into the question that I wanted to ask you, which is, the system that the Bears are playing, we've we spent a lot of time on this show today and, and for days here in Philly, as you know, talking about is it Hurts or is it the system. Are the Bears playing a similar system to the one that the Eagles are using with Hurts? Is it the exact same system? You know, what are Matt Eberflus and, and his offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, kind of doing there to, to ease fields into becoming the quarterback that they think he can be? I think Luke Getzey has done some promising things, specifically with the run game. I mean, you go back to the start of the season, and it was like, okay, 
last year when they had Matt Nagy, who's probably doing more similar things to what you know Nick Sirianni was doing. Um, if you look at the, the track record and you know how, how those guys bring along their quarterbacks, I mean, Getzey was with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay last year, and now he's kind of you know overhauled the system here in Chicago. But they've done a good job of as the weeks have gone on, tailoring it more to to, to the strengths of Justin Fields and really away from the weaknesses of having you know, a so-so offensive line. Although the offensive line has improved a lot uh, this year. they got a rookie, a fifth-rounder that people are like, you're going to start this guy at tackle in the NFL, coming from an FCS school in Braxton Jones. He's got a lot better protection for him, and mm-hmm. specifically run blocking. I mean, the, the you guys know the Eagles a great running team. The Bears leading the NFL uh, in team rushing. But they're so far behind in passing. And a lot of that, though, has to do with weapons or lack thereof. I mean, you guys aren't going to see Chase Claypool this week, who they traded – a second rounder for midseason to try to right. get him some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dardell Mooney, his best receiver, out for the season. You look at kind of it, it's just real, it's real skimpy right now in terms of uh, guys to throw to. It, it reminds me of the Eagles a few years ago when you're like, before they got Devonte Smith, like who is the guy that you know mm-hmm. any yeah. given quarterback can throw to? Um, and they didn't have guys, and when you don't have guys that can get open consistently, your quarterback's not going to look as good. Marshall Harris is with us, former colleague here at uh, WIP, big-timer at NBC10. Now he's in, with CBS in Chicago. So when I look at the other side of the ball, Marshall, the, the Bears' defense. Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't, yeah, don't look and at I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to my turn to stone. It might be looking like, like looking at Medusa right in the face. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so their running defense has allowed 21 running touchdowns. By the way, the Eagles lead the league in touchdowns, running touchdowns scored. They give up 4.7 yards a carry. They, they, may, they have the worst pass rush in the NFL. Um, their defensive line is just bad. Their two cornerbacks are rated. Uh, the, the passer rating against them is 98.8 and 110.1. So the question is always like, okay, so how do the Eagles attack them? Marshall is the answer however they feel like it? Um, I, I would, I would, normally I'd say yes. Here, here's the thing I'm going to say. Uh, they have a rookie safety and a rookie cornerback, uh, Jaquan Brister and Kyler Gordon, who have gotten better over the course of the year as rookies are wont to do because they looked awful. Like they played the Packers back in week two, right? And they were just getting torched. Uh, Kyler Gordon, the cornerback, um, uh, that's a rookie, was getting torched by Aaron Rodgers. He was doing whatever he wanted to him, um, close to a near perfect passer rating against him when targeting him specifically. But both those guys have gotten better. Now, here's the, here's the rub. They're coming off a bye week. Before the bye week, both those rookies were out in the concussion protocol for two weeks. But they have been showing great improvement leading up until that concussion protocol thing. Now that the the Bears have had the bye week, which I'm just going to advocate one more time, the NFL, stop putting a team's bye week in week 14. That is insane. Well, that is yeah. criminal. you know what? When they that, expect you to criminal. be bad, they put it at the edges. Yep. Yeah, well, I, I mean, whatever. I just don't think any team, that's not even a Bears thing, that's just any team. That's way too late for a bye week. And Justin Fields had gotten to the point where he said, my legs are heavy, and he needed a break. And he, and he was saying this as he was run, breaking off, you know, 50-yard touchdown runs. Um, but I think the Bears will be rejuvenated. I think the, 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 the young guys on defense, you know, as you guys know, they traded uh, Roquan Smith to the Ravens. They traded Robert Quinn. who I know how that deal is working out for, for Eagles fans. Uh, they, they, I think they're going to be better. Um, People are looking at this de- defense as porous defense. It is. 
but they have young players who are hungry, who want to win. They've lost six in a row. They've lost nine in the last ten. You don't really want your franchise quarterback to end the season on a ten-game losing streak. They've been so close in so many games. The defense has been bad, but that offense has kept them right there. They've had in their ten losses, right? They had a chance to win seven of those games in the last two to three minutes, and they've just come up short. Fields has yet to author a game-winning drive. You can go back. I'm sure you guys saw the, the I think it was the Thursday night game against the Washington Commanders where they had Darnell uh, Mooney on or on the uh, goal line and he just couldn't mm-hmm. hold on, and that would have been a game-winning touchdown. They just haven't done it, but he, he doesn't really have the weapons to just drop back and pass like that. So in you know a two-minute situation, he isn't able to get it done like that. But guys are getting better. I, I'm really disappointed Chase Claypool's not playing because he had started to, to come on strong. Uh, right before the bye as well. So, uh, look, to answer your question about the defense, maybe it is however you feel like you want, but I think the Eagles can't get cocky here because the Bears are going to score points. I'm not saying that they're going to outscore uh, the Eagles if the Eagles are perfect. I mean, if both teams play well, obviously the Eagles are a better team. But if the Eagles make mistakes akin to that Commanders game that they lost, I'm telling you, the Bears will be right there ready to take advantage of it. That's why I picked the Bears to win the game. What? Wow. What? Why we buried the lead, Mike? Yeah, jeez, Marshall. Uh, well, no, I got I got him winning thirty-one thirty because I think this is a perfect example of a trap game between two division opponents. You're going on the road to face a Bears team that, like I said, is getting better offensively. They're they're good. They're not as good as the Eagles, who you know putting up forty plus points a game over the last three. But they 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 can score with anyone. The Dolphins had them dead to rights. And they came back and almost won. That's one of those games they had a chance to win at the end of the game. Because Matt Eberflus is good at making halftime ad- adjustments. He's a defensive-minded coach. You know, he spent the last three years. You know, he, he uh, had some time with Nick Sirianni. Their offices next to each other uh, when they were both coordinators for the Colts. So I, I think that the Bears are going to be in a position. It, this is not going to be the blowout that people like, yo, is it still nine points? Because if it's still nine points, I'm taking the Bears all day long. Okay. Um I'm curious how a team that's dead last in the NFL in, in passing yards per game is going to hang with the Eagles and score with the Eagles. But be that as it may, you mentioned Robert Quinn um, and and his performance here with the Eagles, which has not been good, and he's and he's injured and out. I'm just curious because Howie Roseman made moves. You know, Quinn was the first in a succession of moves that Howie made to kind of increase the depth along the defensive line. You know, Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue, and those two guys have been okay. Uh, what did you see from Quinn before the Eagles got him? And did, you know, it sounds like you kind of expected this drop off, um, if not this season, certainly once the the Bears traded him away. I mean, he's on the wrong side of uh, of, of thirty, and he he he's a guy who doesn't have. He's not one to put together back to back like exceptional seasons. He had a great season last year, um, but the Bears had better parts around him. I I was curious to see if his play picked up once he got to Philadelphia because he wasn't doing anything. It, it, really, in Chicago. He hadn't done anything. Um, but you say that about anybody who was part of the front four for the Bears. I mean, they, as you've mentioned, worst pass rush in yeah. all of football. Um, that's how Aaron Rodgers, with a broken thumb and whatever else, was able to pick them apart, even though they scored, even though they, even though they threw for 172 yards against the Bears in that win. Um, they won the turnover battle 3 nothing. Um, I, I just, I was like, they get no pressure up front. And at first I was like, is it Quinn? Or is it just the whole front four? It's the whole front four. But that's why I thought maybe Quinn would do more. I mean, the guy's coming off a, a, a year where he broke the franchise record for sacks yeah. this season. And he, he didn't show any glimpses of that 
before he got traded. So I was like, if you're Ryan Poles and you really want to just, you know, clear cap space, everything else, just trade everybody and get as many assets as you can. They're doing the right thing, and it's come alongside the development of Justin Fields. It hasn't really stopped his development, and yeah. that was the goal the whole time. So I, I think right. the Bears are great, doing a great job. And before we go, first of all, I want to praise you effusively, Marshall Harris, because I saw I saw a thing that you did with uh, former Eagle Clay Harbor and former Eagle tight end Trey Burton. Actually, one of my favorite people, Trey Burton. He's great. And uh, in it, the issue of who's got better food, that they're both out in Chicago now, as are you. Who's got better food? What's a better food city, Chicago or Philly? You stuck up for Philly. Uh, and I will say, you and I had many of those meals together. Do you know we the did. only time I ever got in trouble with WIP was... <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah, I, so, Mike, I d- did these food hunts for sure, a no, years, I know. and we, we did the tacos one year, and uh, Marshall and I went out one day, what did we go to, like five or six places that day, Mark? We just, we housed it. Yeah, we it. tore it up. We tore it up. <laughs> and and there was one place that was a little pricey, but really good, so Marshall and I kept saying, like, you know what, we better try the shrimp taco. Yeah, you know what, let's try the pork taco. And we... We ran up a bit of a bill, and <laughs> they gave. Listen, the station was very nice. They always gave me an expense account for that. That was the time where Spike Eskin called me up. He said, "Man, what are you doing? It's a little hefty." But Marshall, it was worth it. Was there a case of Corona in there too? There might have been a beer. Hey, there, there might have been a beer, but like the, the the tacos were really good. I think we had like I think they were like you said like uh, some. Short rib tacos or maybe oh, yeah. salmon tacos. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it was that. just, it was like the best protein you can put in a taco. And they figured out how to make it. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll see what, what you're talking about. And it was great. And those you know, are fun I times. Thank you and WIP for that experience. And I will always stick <laughs> up for Philly because I, I've lived a bunch of places, been a bunch of places. I think Philadelphia is the most underrated food city in America. And every time I come back, I have great meals. But, well, yep. Mar- Marshall, as long as you are standing up for Philadelphia pizza against that. Swimming pool of sauce that Chicago calls <laughs> okay, deep dish okay, pizza. So. You're all Mike, right in my Mike, book. Mike, calm down. Here's, here's what I will tell you. Anyone in Chicago will tell you this. The deep dish thing isn't the thing. People in Chicago, it's, it's all about the tavern cut. Ah. You come here, you get the tavern cut. Yeah, you yeah. get sucked into the deep dish casserole pizza. No, that's, that's not good. I do not like it. Okay. Uh, there you go. Good. Marshall, it's a pleasure, man. All right. I'll see Next you time you're coming back, back, let me know. All right? Yes. I will, I will text you, Glenn. Mike, right, great to catch up, man. Yeah, Bye. I'll see you tomorrow if you're at the game. I will not be in the, at the game. Well, I'll then I won't see you tomorrow. tomorrow. The hell with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Bye. Man. Be well. There you go. See you, Mark. Marshall Harris. Good guy. Great guy. Great guy. Good Love good him. basketball player, too. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. All right, let's sneak in Frankie in Roxborough before the break. Hello, Frankie. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Great, great, great show. Thanks, Frankie. Actually, um... I'm going to talk about all these uh, media people like general managers, like uh, Mike Lombardi, uh, Tannenbaum. uh, Well, Sim's not a a, uh, general manager. But they all all kept saying uh, Jalen can't read defenses. He can't do this. He can't do that. And he overcame all the downers. And it, and I think I think it fuels him. I think I think that that's his like uh, motivation. Okay. And um, let me well, hold on, because let me get in here because I think there may be some truth to what you say. Now, Mike. Yes. He says. Okay. I don't know. No, hang in there. 
He says, I don't deal with that stuff. It's rat poison. It's a word he's used for uh, you know, media criticism or social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also get a sense that he's like keeping receipts. Am I wrong on that? No, I don't think you're wrong on that. I think he the, – the rat poison thing is born of his experience at Alabama. That's what Nick Saban preaches to his players. Don't listen to the distractions. Don't listen to the media. It's all rat poison. It can only hurt you. But the fact is that Jalen is carrying a chip on his shoulder based on – the the belief amongst people that Frankie is talking about, uh, and some of some of us in the media too, based on what we saw from him as a rookie and a and his first year as a starter, that he couldn't make this jump. And so, yeah, he's trying to have it both ways a little bit, but that's okay. That's par for the course among athletes, right? And and like um, like Chris Sims, I think I think he's I think he's just hated the Eagles so much his whole life because he watched his dad. Get beat up by <laughs> by us a lot of times, and like that's what he grew up. You know what uh, I'm saying? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't so, know, Frankie. I, thanks, pal. Thanks I for the call, Frank. I, I don't know. I wonder about that. I wonder if it's just a matter of of certain whether you're a general manager or a former player. Like you're you've grown up thinking a certain way about how the best way to play football is i'm sure for chris sims like he you know he was an nfl quarterback he watched his father phil play he probably has an idea of what he expects to see and should see from a quarterback and maybe jalen doesn't fit that mold yeah i think so 215-592-9494 all your calls next segment oh by the way i should have told you of course that this uh, hour is sponsored by meridian bank Regional Presence, Community Touch, Meridian Bank, Innovative Business Banking for Entrepreneurial Success. Uh, coming up, Mike and I are going to make our pick on the Eagles. Maybe talk about some other games in the, in the uh, league today, but also take your calls. Hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of the best tires at very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get much better from here, so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. Put on your yarmulke. Here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> so, Howard did a thing today having people call up and sing Christmas carols, which was actually pretty nice. There, some people had pretty good voices. There was one guy who, who knocked it out of the park. He yes. sang um, uh, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. <laughs> yeah, it I sounded like Nat King Cole. It was great. He was yeah. great. There aren't a lot of Hanukkah songs. That is the best one. Adam Sandler did a great job with that, and he, he periodically redoes it with every Hebrew in the county. Yeah. Um, Hanukkah starts tomorrow night, so I want to. Uh, we will, of course, wish everybody a Merry Christmas coming up next week. Um, you and I will be together Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, no, we will not. Oh, you're not in. No, I'm not in Christmas Eve. I'll be in oh, on okay. New Year's Eve. Um, I'll be okay. in the following week. But all right, uh, yeah. all right. Well, we'll. Who am I working with next week? 
I don't know, but right. I've already, I, I sent I the email, I swear. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Well, yeah. probably Jody. I imagine it's Jody. Yeah, so that's so. cool. Um, but anyway, Hanukkah starts tomorrow night, so happy Hanukkah to all my uh, brethren and sistren out there. It's a big day around these parts, as you can imagine. Um, let me get in a call here, and then okay. a couple things I want to bring up. I sure. lost my screener. There it is, Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Hey, let me take you off uh, speaker. Please do. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you today? Hi, Jacob. Hey, hey. Uh, I want to just talk a few Eagles things. I, I want to say one thing. I'm one of them fans that don't believe in one week at a time thinking because I, I, I look past the Bears because I don't play in the game, so it doesn't affect the Yes, game. I, I, <laughs> I hear that. Sometimes people are like, oh, be careful. You look by them. It's like I, am, I have zero impact on the game. Yeah, you, and yeah. you and I, Jacob, will not impact the outcome. Yeah, not at all. That's why I can bet on them and still lose. If, if it was the other way, I'd be rich. Uh, so it's just, just the way it is. So the Bears are, are I think, look, it's like a Giants game. They had Saquon Barkley. He did nothing. They have Justin Fields. He'll probably do a few little razzle-dazzles, but do nothing with it. Uh, blowout. So let's look on to Dallas, and it should be fun. Uh, that's, it's Dallas. But mm-hmm. my thing is Jalen Hurts. Uh all week I've been listening to like the their big three. Who do you pick, and is he better than the Joe Barrows, the Herberts, the Tua's? Like Justin Herbert to me is really good, but he's a Chargers quarterback. Drew Brees was a Chargers quarterback and did nothing. Philip Rivers, Chargers quarterback, does did nothing. Good, great quarterbacks and they just did nothing. So like he hasn't progressed like Jalen Hurts has to me. Well, I uh, I think you're right in that. I think Hertz has improved as much or more as any quarterback in the league. I think the only one who's comparable really is Josh Allen uh, in Buffalo, who came into the league spraying the ball all over the place and has since become, you know, one of the two or three best passers in the league. Yeah, and I and I, I contribute that to like the I call it the Brett Favre effect, where they just hunt, sling that, just sling it, hunt it. He always got the chance. He's open. That's the Brett Favre. He got the most interceptions for a reason, but he's also one of the greatest for a reason. Just hummed it down the field, and right, but the that, thing about Hertz is he never makes mistakes. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's the most striking thing about him. Yeah, right? yeah. There's so I many agree. things that he does well. I mean, he 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 runs terrifically, right? Mm-hmm. His accuracy this year is well beyond what anybody thought it was going to be, and I guess what I'm about to say plays into that. Uh, he's smart. He's a leader. Like he checks every single box. Now, the thing that impresses me the most is he never makes a play. Where you go like, oh, what the hell was he thinking? There? Yeah, yeah. And Allen had a ton of those mm-hmm. in his first few years and still is prone to still them. Still does. From, yeah, yeah, from time to time. You know this as a, someone yeah. who follows the Bills closely. Hey, tonight, 8.15, baby. There you go. Snow, did you see some of the pictures from up love there? It. Oh, God. I love Unless I'm in the stands. I love a snow game. You know, it, it on looks, TV in the press box. Snow games are one of my most favorite Eagle games of all time. The the Lions With, game in thirteen. Yes, the Sean game. McCoy game. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But these great. these photos look like. Remember the movie The Day After Tomorrow, where global warming <laughs> leads to the the ice, yeah. you know, storm uh, throughout the United States. Yeah, it looks like uh, the desolate future there is. Yeah, it? Dennis Quaid's going to be looking for Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> in a public library somewhere up in uh, Orchard Park, New York. Yeah, uh, but you know what's going to happen is those fans are going to come out there. Oh yeah, they'll all be shirtless they too. They're crazy. Oh, yes, yes, they will. Um, all right, it is time for you and I to uh, pick tomorrow's game. Mm-hmm. And Mike, I just want you to hear this. By the way, I'll explain in a minute why Mike and I are not in the same room again. But you know what that is, Mike. Is that the uh, the envelope with the final score? 
It's a folded piece of paper, folded my friend. Paper, and on that me. folded piece of paper is the exact final score of tomorrow's Eagles, Bears, Titanic tilt at Soldier Field. So you go first. So uh, listening to our friend Marshall Harris just in the last segment uh, persuaded me to make my final score a little closer than it otherwise would have been. And when you hear the final score, you will uh, you will understand how how wide I thought the gap between these two teams are. So, look, the Bears' defense isn't good. Marshall made a, a fine case for why Justin Fields, you know, and the Bears might be able to move the ball and score against the Eagles. That's all fine and good. Uh, but the Eagles are the better team by a lot. So my final score, and again, this is closer than it was going to be just based on the Clarence Darrow-like efforts of Marshall yeah. Harris there. Uh, Eagles 38, Bears 17. So you have the Eagles winning by 21. I do. Well, that's very interesting. And I'd love to know what your score was before that. It was going to be 38 to 10. Okay. Well, we're not far apart this week. I have the Eagles winning at 42 to 21, which is a, a uh, difference of? Uh, 21 points. I Indeed. So here's the thing. I'm going through the matchups, and I don't think there's a single – Area. There's not one matchup in the game where you say, like, oh, the Bears are, di- are, are even or the Bears mm-hmm. are better. There's not one. There's not one position group that you would look at the Bears and say, like, well, they're as good as Philadelphia. Not one. No. Uh, and the Bears have injuries. Listen, the Eagles have injuries in the secondary. Coincidentally, the Bears have a ton of injuries. They have no receivers. No. Fields no. has nobody to throw to. Here's the thing, Glenn. We were talking about how bad the Bears' defense is, and Marshall mentioned um, the safety out of Penn State, Jaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's had a had a pretty good year? Jaquan Brisker leads the Bears in sacks. Yes, three, three. Yes, he's a, a safety. safety. Should not lead you in sacks. Yeah, no, not good. Not yes. Good. The Bears. I mean, they stink. I know they had the bye week and they've hung in a couple of games, uh, but they've lost six in a row. And I understand that anything can happen in the NFL. Uh, you know, yeah. Jeff Saturday won his first game as a mm-hmm. coach. But this one's pretty close to it's close to a hundred percent as I can imagine. I remember last week I said the Eagles are going to crush them, and a lot of people said, "Oh, mm-hmm. you don't know," and that's true. You never know. I'm pretty confident in thinking they're going to blow them out. So I've got Eagles forty-two to twenty-one tomorrow. I think Fields is going to hurt them a little bit, but the Eagles will score so much, and then kind of I don't want to say lose interest, but the the backups will come in, and the Bears will score. And you say thirty-eight seventeen. Well, there you go. And you will be there. I will. I will. I'm getting on a plane this afternoon. It's very cool. I'm going nowhere because uh, just – and I, I I got a couple notes from people who said they still hear it on my voice. I'm on day 15 of COVID, for God's this sake. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I text you every day asking, yeah, how are you it. feeling? Well, I'm a, I'm a tremendous human being. and You're a great human being. Yeah, I am. I'm like St. Francis of Assisi on and no. again. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> But it's amazing that you still are testing positive. Yeah, and listen, I feel fine. Um, I just got like a little bit hanging in my throat, which you can which you can kind of hear, just a little raspiness. But I feel great, you know, bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I feel great. I'll I'll take the I got the home test. I take it's like, how am I still positive? I am still positive. I spoke to my doctor this week. He said that I got kind of a rebound effect. Um, I was feeling a little crummy early in the week, but now I'm feeling fine. 
but my doctor said I cannot go out in public until I test negative, and I respect that. I don't, you know. Mm -hmm. he, I said, "Am I contagious?" He said, "Well, probably not, but maybe." So, why take any chances? Yeah. Right. I don't want to give it to anybody. I mean, you and I would be in a closed studio. That's not yeah. a smart thing. So no, I'm and and be honest. In. No, and to be honest, and I say this with like total friendship like i don't want to be in the room with you now either because yeah, right. christmas is next week yeah, i don't want right. to get get this Absolutely. before christmas it would be horrible timing for everybody and if there's any chance of it what's the point so um and again i consider myself fortunate because whatever symptoms i've had are pretty minor right. i know people who have who have really you know, struggled i know a couple it. long haulers who yeah. still are really feeling stuff people who got it early before the vaccines they got it much more seriously than people are getting it now so I'm I'm okay, but I've watched a ton. Do you know that they have the office on the, the old sitcom for like eight hours a day on Comedy Central? Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> I am so, very aware of it now. So that's how you're whiling away the hours. Is, I read uh, a couple of books. Mm -hmm. I um I read a I actually read I just read Larry somebody gave me Larry David wrote a play. So oh, that knew. sounds great. So I read a play by Larry David. I I'll bet it's, it's okay. pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's pretty okay. <laughs> um, and I'm watching way, way too, too much, much TV, TV and doing crossword puzzles and still relegated to, uh, I'm sleeping in one of my kids' bedrooms. My oh, kids don't wow. live here anymore. They're both grown up. Uh, I got one bathroom, uh, my office and my basement, which is, oh man. well, let me just say my basement, when I say that has the big screen TV, ah. the pool table, the pinball machine. It's, it, it is the man cave. So it's like, all right. So, you, so you're not me and the cat. You're not totally upset that no, you're it's, testing well, positive every day. I'm lonely. <laughs> I really, you know, Glenn. I'm always just a phone call away, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I would like you know human interact, human contact in the same room <laughs> would be nice, but whatever. So that's kind of what's going on. So again, yeah, that's I'm it fine, does stink. but it does I'm, stink. Yeah, I'm fine, but I'm still still there. All right, All right Roger Mo Roger Moore is joining us. Oh, it's yeah. Roger in Morristown. Hey, Roger. Hi, guys. I love this team. It's one of my favorite shows. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Roger. I have a couple questions about the Eagles. Uh, when, and I don't use the word if with the Eagles this year. I use the word when. When they win tomorrow, if Doug Peterson does us a favor, won't the Eagles be resting people uh, on Christmas Eve? I would be surprised if they rested people on Christmas Eve, Roger. I mean, they still would have, what, two more games to go after that. Yeah, too early. Too early to be doing that. Um Come the games after that, yeah, I think it's possible. Um, certainly that final game of the season. Uh, I was saying this to somebody yesterday that I've I've really come around on the whole rest versus rust thing. I've seen the rest work too many times now uh, to worry too much if a team sits at starters, uh, especially with a 17-game season. These these guys need a break and, and need the chance to recharge their batteries. Uh, second question, maybe I'm insane, just ask my ex-wives, but... It seems to me that there used to be a rule that if you win the division, uh, you don't play another team in the division in the first playoff game. Has that gone away? Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think that exists anymore. No, I no, I don't know that it ever did, but I, it doesn't. Oh. No, no. I think oh. you're thinking of baseball, Roger. I think you're thinking of the wild card. That there was that rule in baseball where if, if the wild card team would have played the, a team in its same division, then they shifted things around. I think well, I'm with your ex-wives. Real quick, real quick. Uh, real quick. I look forward to the dulcet tones of your dad, Marvin, when he gets on about the Bills. Oh, thank you. I should get my dad on soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't oh. talked to him in a while. 
I know. My dad's great. He is. He's that's the other thing is I I have lunch every Thursday with my dad and I haven't seen my dad for three Thursdays in a row. Oh man, like, that's, that's yeah, no that fun. stinks. Anyway, that's my, my dad's the greatest. And probably listening right now. Love you, Dad. Uh, 215-592-9494. When we get back, we find out from producer Kyle Quinn what we forgot to talk about, but we could squeeze you in. This hour sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional presence, community touch. Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. All right, Mike Sielski, so you are off to Chicago uh, to columnize after tomorrow's game. I think that's a verb or not. I just made it up. Good good job uh, by you. I like creating uh, new words. Yeah, um, and I will not see you next weekend. Uh, you're not working Christmas Eve. That is correct. Are you not working Christmas Eve because you're in Dallas or because you're spending No, time because I am, I am spending the day with family. We, we go from... Our house to my parents' house for some gift exchange, and then we and my parents go to my in-laws' house for a family get-together. I just keep picking them all up. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, it's our that's our tradition, and it's really cool that both sides of the family get together and hang out and all of so that. So your jazz. boys are how old now? Eleven and eight. Eleven and eight. Oh God! So Christmas, they must like. Oh, they're they're the days from three hundred and sixty-four. Right? They are it's vibrating like tuning forks. <laughs> yes, that's nice. <laughs> it is. It's it's Good really it's the best time of the year. Really is. Now, uh, what are you doing for Hanukkah? Uh, well, I can't go other out. than the, so, you know hanging. In the well, basement. so we had the the we normally the first night of Hanukkah, which is um, uh, tomorrow, Sunday, um, get together with the family. Usually, in my house, I cook. My grandmother's recipe for potato pancakes, for potato latkes, that's a big thing. And when I was a kid, my grandmother made this amazing potato latkes, and before she passed, shared me her recipe. So I do it as a tribute to her. That's great. Um, but I, we can't do it tomorrow because I got the COVID thing. So mm. we're hoping, hoping, hoping that uh, I forget when we're all going to we try we're going to try to get together I think next Friday night or whatever okay. late in the week I mm-hmm. uh, got the the 2-year-old grandbaby here it's basically my dad uh us my kids the the, the one grandson who lives locally and we'll have dinner together and give out presents. So oh, sounds awesome. But it'll be a little bit delayed. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's all right. We'll we'll be we'll we'll make it. Um we didn't get to talk about something that we planned to. Maybe we'll do it next time we're together, which is the changing of the guard among NFL quarterbacks. That, yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah, fun, it it's was funny. your idea. So you we we discuss it for a minute. Anyway. Yeah, just I think it's a really interesting time in the league. I was I was thinking about this and drawing a parallel between the NFL now and kind of the NFL in the mid to late 1990s when you saw quarterbacks like John Elway, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, and Jim Kelly. On their way out, they were retiring for one reason or another, longevity, in Steve Young's case, head injuries, things like that. And you had this turnover that eventually came around to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, uh, Kurt Warner, guys like that. And I wonder if we're seeing the same thing now, where where Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are oh, kind yeah. of receding, and you have this new crop of quarterbacks coming up, and whether Jalen Hurts is going to be one of these guys who stays around for a long time and becomes a familiar face to football fans everywhere. Right, the stays around is what you have to prove. Right, right. I mean that that because the, we have seen guys have one great year, and now hey, listen, Arizona's got to be feeling that way right now, right? Sure, he's hurt, but but he I think he wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> to be honest, no, no, not now. But he had he had the well, listen. He got the contract right yeah. based on that huge year. But I think that with Hertz, 
I mean, you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Tua, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, who uh, Justin Herbert. I yeah. mean, that's that's pretty good. That that if I'm the NFL, I'm thinking I got a lot going forward with those guys. Yeah, I'm just curious to see who kind of. Uh, outs among those you know Mahomes has really kind of separated himself already but who among the rest of those guys becomes his primary foil does it remain Josh Allen does it remain Joe Burrow do do one of those two guys surpass Mahomes in some way and and where does Jalen and some of those other guys where do they fit into that I think you're talking about the word elite quarterback yes I think so all right let's find out what we forgot to talk about today with our producer Kyle Quinn what do you got all right uh so first of all since everyone's um Everyone's favorite time of year, the World Cup final, wrapping up Sunday. France versus Argentina at 10 a.m. You can get that in right before football. Actually, today was the third place game. I forgot they even did this. Um, Croatia beat Morocco, won the third place game today. Mm. Good for Croatia, right? That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll Uh, be a big discussion topic on Croatian talk radio. Yeah, and, Uh, and all this week on WIP. Yeah. Uh, I will be doing pregame tomorrow starting at 10, so I will not get to watch that. Maybe I'll have it on, you know, TV, but... Uh, yeah. I'll be doing a pregame show in the uh, Soldier Field press box on Inquire.com. Who's going to be doing a, the uh, World uh, Cup pregame? There you go. You got a rooting interest in this World Cup there, France versus Morocco? My, you know, my Argentina. Eight, I mean, France versus Argentina. Yeah, my eight-year-old son is really rooting for France. Um, okay. Uh, but, you know, it would be kind of cool to see Messi who's generally regarded as the best player on the planet, actually win a World Cup. I'm going to France next year, so I, if they win, maybe they'll like make it more fun. There you That's, go. It's a tenuous reach, but there you go. All right, what else we got? All right, um, Philadelphia Flyers. I know we've been avoiding them, probably strategically. They got a win yesterday over the Devils. Carter Hart, outstanding yet again, but Kevin Hayes, who leads the team in points, benched for the entire third period and appears to be a healthy scratch yet again today. There's a... Uh... There's something going on there between him and Tortorella. Uh, you know, I thought initially it was just, and maybe it still is, just the idea that Tortorella wants to extract more from him, better defensive play, play with more of an edge, things like that. But this is kind of a repeat situation for Hayes with a couple different coaches now where they're trying to get more out of him, and, and he seems reluctant to give it. By the way, that game was Thursday, but yeah, yeah. They, they, they beat the Devils, which was a shocker because they'd lost however many in a row. Yeah. Uh, all right, what else? All right. Uh, I know you guys have been, for the past few weeks, been wondering, man, what's our guy Jalen Rager been up to? Uh, I'll give <laughs> yes. you an update on Top what he's been up mind. to. Top of my mind, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's guaranteeing victories. I love a good guarantee. Um, <laughs> he guaranteed a Vikings win over the Detroit Lions. Obviously, that did not happen, but don't worry. Jalen Rager backed up his own talk with a nice, juicy stat line of one target, zero receptions, zero yards. You know, yeah. it, go, go ahead. ahead. Glenn. No, go ahead, Glenn. I don't know how if you're like, you know, the 43rd guy on the roster, you get to make that guarantee. And by the way, what does it mean as a like so you so you guaranteed it and they lost, so now do you have to go home? Like what what happens with the guarantee? Here's the bigger question to me, Glenn. Why isn't someone in that locker room like Kirk Cousins or Justin Jefferson walking over to Jalen Rager and saying you are making a fool of yourself with these guarantees. Stop it. Yeah. Well, maybe they did. Yeah. Maybe they did. Yeah, uh, I don't miss him at all. All right, one more. Yeah, one last thing. So uh, we didn't really talk too much about the Aaron Sipas injury. Uh, the Eagles did end up having to work out a new punter this week. 
Uh, looks like David Akers thinks that that injury may have been a blessing in disguise because he took to Twitter saying he hates seeing folks get injured. Unfortunately, it is a part of the game, but the Eagles just picked up a legend with Brett Kern. He has a plethora of shots he can use. Love the choice and hope my brother can go get a ring with the rest of the birds. Hate this for Simplus, though. Well, a punter uh, whose hometown is Grand Island, New York, which is my old neck of the woods. There so you go. I give him that. Um, he is, a th- I think, a three-time pro bowler. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.